Hey listeners, another episode of Comedy Northwest. Uh, this episode was, of course, absolutely amazing because we had three guests as opposed to our usual two. Uh, right, Tony? You were. You're the, I was the third. You're the dangler. I was you're the dangler. The- <laughs> I, was, I was happy to dangle, Ryan. It was amazing. Yeah. But it was, it was nice to have you here. And of course, yeah. Eric and Theo and everything like that. Oh, Is there yeah. any warnings for this episode? What do you want to tell? Yeah, I would. I almost want to title the episode. Um, this is the episode where everyone finds a sound effects machine, <laughs> uh, gets bored of the sound effects machine, and then I steal the sound effects machine. Um, that's. I, I feel like it's a good, good summary. Okay. We didn't care for that part. Yeah. Snow sucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enjoy. Much more. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your host, Ryan, of course, for another episode of the Comedy Northwest podcast. I'm sitting here with some awesome guests. Uh, We'll start from one side and go to the other. Uh, We have here Tony Labdiotis. (laughs) You're that close. Thank you. Uh, so Thank yeah, you. Tony, you are you are you were the, the you were the tag along for this one. Yes, yes, I was. The, uh, <laughs> You're really getting billed high for this one, Tony. <laughs> I, was, I was a late I was a late ad on this tour that that we're doing here. Yeah, well, which is why I want to introduce you first because you're the one that I don't know about. No, no, I appreciate you you getting to me ahead of time there. Um, have, you, have you been enjoying the trip so far? Yes, yeah. I have been. <laughs> There's been a lot of travel in the last two days. Well, I, we've got some questions. All right, so yeah. our next person coming up here, of course, is Eric Escobar. Hello, what's up, uh, listener? <laughs> or, or listeners, if you're crowded around the campfire, listen to this podcast with friends. That's usually how it goes. People, the family will crowd around the living room like in the 1930s. Uh, it's just like a radio. And they'll only turn now. on the iPod and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Grandpa says something racist. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, how else would it go? <laughs> uh, and then, of course, our final guest is Theo. Of course. Hey. Theo Manhattan. That's right. Hey, yeah. Ryan. How's that's, it going? That's a very masculine hat that you're wearing there. Ah, Thanks. see, I remembered it. Oh, oh. I used it. It says Quiet Life on it. Yeah. He- I just want to throw out there, I'm going to really enjoy doing this podcast, but I'm going to really enjoy playing with the sound effects machine Yeah, so much. We're, we'll, we'll limit it. We'll limit it for only special events. I'm now realizing that leaving that out was a mistake, <laughs> uh, but I'm sure we, we, can, we can get around that. Uh, but thank you guys. Uh, so we're sitting here. Uh, it is Friday before the show. You guys just got into town. Yep. Um, yeah. All three of you have never performed in Ben before, right? No, no I that haven't even correct. been to Oregon before. What? Yeah. Welcome to <laughs> right. Oregon. Are you I'm enjoying so yourself? Are you Are you stoned right now? Stoned? Yeah. No, I'm stoked. Oh, okay. Well, I <laughs> I'm stoned though. To be clear, I'm yeah. hella high. And we haven't visited yeah. the dispensary quite yet. No. <laughs> yeah. The second you get into Oregon, just pot smoke everywhere. It's... So this is this is what the big bummer was. So we spent. We're coming from LA. We spent a night in the Bay Area, and then our first night in Oregon, we were so excited. Dispensary Palooza. Our first night was in Klamath Falls, (laughs) where there's no recreational weed. And you know what? Great little place. Klamath Falls was fun, but it was so heartbreaking to be like, we're finally here. Let's make it happen. Uh, Not so much. (laughs) Klamath Falls. Not the, not the sound effect I was going for, but hey, that was a good story. <laughs> yeah. That was an encore right there. I was looking for the wow. So wah, you're saying wah, you, you've you been, been in Ben for a minute, right? Oh, God, yeah. All right, cool. So tell us and all the listeners, like, what do we what do we do with our 
20 hours in Bend? Like, what are the cool spots? What's like your favorite things to do? We've been to the Walmart. Uh, to Walmart, oh God! To the uh, Sherry's. Now what? That's about. That's about. Uh, oh God! I don't know. There's the High Desert Museum. Ah. Talk about High Desert. All right. The desert. Uh, so here's exactly. <laughs> the even higher desert to this point. But no. Uh, so have you ever gone? Like, where are you guys stationed? Where are uh, you from? What do you mean? Like when we're in LA? You're yeah, all LA. Okay. So picture. Picture going to like the LA Zoo and seeing like the pigeon exhibit. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the the high solid desert pitch so far, yeah, Ryan. The, solid so, pitch so far. The Higher Desert Museum is just a museum slash zoo of Central Oregon animals and foliage and history and stuff like that. Just stuff you can see so, out on the streets. Yeah, exactly. Do they so, have pigeons? Uh I'm sure you can find some pigeons there. They're, but it's more be. like uh like river otters and beavers and hawks oh, and eagles right. and stuff like that. Is there a Walmart within the museum to fully represent Ben? <laughs> you have to pass the Walmart in order to get there. <laughs> right, yes. Perfect. So yes. you know where yeah, you know where you're going. Um uh, <laughs> what else is there? Uh, a lot of shopping and whatnot. Bend is just sort of this wannabe SoCal kind of town. Um, we were able to avoid the recession for like another year or two compared to the rest nice. of the country. Wow. I know. Yes, because once the recession hit Southern California, all of those people moved up to Bend thinking, oh, it hasn't hit here. So they brought all their money with them and spent it here. So we were able to ask last another year or two. But then after a year or two of them opening up stores that are meant for Southern California people and nobody locally can afford these stores. Mm -hmm. Then it quickly hit like us. Like the BMW then, dealer in Bend? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's like, like a Porsche dealer, too. I was thinking of like Billabong or Reef or something, but yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. But yeah. So yeah, and we're just now evening out. We're about to get a four-year college here, so we're going to be Whoa. a college town. Yeah, Is that'll that be exciting. Like University or... Portland, so it'll like be so right Oregon now we State have COCC, which is Central Oregon Community College, okay. which is just like just basic community college, mm -hmm. um, but. Yeah, so OSU has a satellite campus there where they offer a lot of more specific type of degrees, but it's so small that there's not much you can do. Like, you can get... Business or English, or that's it. Yeah, right. like, all the AA degrees. Like, if you were specifically going for, like, um, uh, oh, God, like, hospitality, outdoor leadership, okay. animal husbandry, that sort of stuff, then you can do that at the satellite you, What is animal husbandry? Do you know anything? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was in 4-H and FFA back in the day. Animal I grew husband. up. Yeah, so actually just between here and Redmond is where I grew up. 68 acres. We had pigs and horses and well, all of that stuff. Of John... Oh, John, John Day. <laughs> John <laughs> Day. Yeah. yeah, we were talking about this tiny town in John Day. John oh, Day. My, my, I've told this story before on the podcast of my worst gig ever being in John Day. <laughs> and I mean, the basic premise is that I said yes to doing like because um, it was just a benefit thing. So I did 15 minutes. I really only did like seven minutes. But I went in there and realized that it was not only at the senior center, but it was the 20th anniversary of the senior center. Oh. So these are people that had been seniors for at least 20 years now. <laughs> so, yeah. 50 seniors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you, medicine. Um, yeah. That's not a thing, I thought. Yeah. They, they, would have, they would have left if most of them could have walked. Yep. But, <laughs> so, yeah. So that was, that's John. Day. It's a probably, tiny probably town. Half of them didn't even know where they were. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's like I, I just recently on Netflix started watching the Andy Griffith show, and it makes me think of John Day just up and down because it, like the show in Mayberry, there's like 20 people in town yeah. that you really see on a regular basis, and then that's really it. And like one mm -hmm. jail cell. And yeah, same pretty one much. Sheriff and the it. village drunk. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. 
Oh, <laughs> alcoholism. Hilarious. <laughs> the 50s were a great time. Yeah, right? Yeah. Everyone was just happy the war was over. They didn't care. Come here, wife. I feel like that. Sh- I feel like that show is more progressive than actual John Day. It is. <laughs> I heard John so, Day. I heard John Day has a great. I heard John Day has a great water department. Yes, it does. Yes, they have. They have a dam. There's a river. Um, and a phone number on the whiteboard. Oh right yes, John I was wondering where you got that. I was like, "Where's Theo getting his John Day intel?" Oh, no, I'm I'm well informed by this whiteboard. It's written down behind For all us. All of you listening, Theo is pointing to a whiteboard. I have. Clear. Yeah. It's, I, it's like a usual suspect scenario. And there's a math equation just above that. My my grandmother's house, we still own there, and we rent it out. So I still have to handle things like calling the John Day water department. <laughs> that's that's, so that's who, really who is John Day? Who is Senor Day? Do we oh, know who John Day is? Uh, yes, there was a gentleman named John Day. He, I like how we didn't name the town Jonathan Day. No, yeah. it's a casual kind of town. Yeah, yeah. John Day. John Day. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. People, well, he wanted people to be welcome, like just play it like super casual. Be like, hey, we're buzz. Just call me John. <laughs> Not John either. Yeah. No. yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, not much to John Day. It's what a cool you, little town if you go through there. What was his thing? Was he like a water man? Um, That's all he knows <laughs> So there's actually a festival every year in Canyon City, which is almost in John Day. So there's a John Day festival not in John Day? Yes. Okay, so great. I'm liking everything already <laughs> about this. This little valley area uh, in the the Blue Mountains of Oregon Ooh, la, la. Um, was, it, it, there's something called 62 Days, and I believe it was in 1862 is when some Somebody finally found gold in this valley area. So within like five years, this entire area had been completely mined out. Uh, So yeah. So is that where like a lot of the people started coming in? Yes. So that's where. Yeah. So that's how like people and money came into the area. But as soon as the gold was gone, they instantly just went into lumber. Because it's just all forest everywhere. Yeah. It's so beautiful out in Oregon. It's crazy. Like yeah. everywhere. It's just like, oh. It was majestic. Yeah. 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 A lot of paintball. Yeah. A lot of, there's a lot of East Coast people that come to Oregon and be like, oh God, I thought you guys were like living in cabins, like out in the woods and stuff like that. Like, no, we have <laughs> cities. We have yeah. civilizations. We're people too. Yeah. It's a thing that happens. Mm-hmm. But are you, so are you guys originally from L.A.? I'm actually from Minnesota. Oh. Yeah, Rochester. It's southeastern near the tip. Uh, and it's the home of the Mayo Clinic, if you were familiar. Ah. Very interesting stuff. Simon Garfunkel. I mean, I said Simon Garfunkel. <laughs> <laughs> I, meant, I meant Art Garfunkel. You know there. that guy, yeah. Yeah, Simon yeah both. John Bon Van Halen. <laughs> Uh, Simon Garfunkel is my one-man tribute band. <laughs> I do both voices. I, I actually, I actually wanted to do a a duo called uh, Silence and Garfunkel, where I only sing the Garfunkel parts. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> That's a big dream of mine. But we also had George Harrison at the Mayo Clinic. But uh, it's an hour and a half What's south. What's the Mayo Clinic? It's an hour and a half. Uh, it's the biggest <laughs> clinic in the United States. Yeah, so it's George only Her- it's oh, only like open on May fifth. Oh, okay. oh, I got you. Sound um, effect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought this Gary was a venue. I'm like, why is this venue called the Mayo Clinic? That's a very odd. Oh, yeah, t- venue two cardiogram thing. minimum. Two cardi- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't have the heart to go there, man. It's really oh, oh. Is done, yeah. oh. Jeez, when they kick out a heckler, they call it sending him to the morgue. Yeah. Hey. Oh, um, livers. <laughs> Am I playing this right? Livers. <laughs> Am I, do, am I doing this game? Uh, Gallbladder! What was great about having Theo along for this ride, because Theo and I are both like California born and raised, <laughs> so we were driving up to Oregon, 
And um, I think he meant Tony. Uh, oh, yeah. Tony. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, like didn't we just go right after that? we talked? About so uh, Simon Garfunkel is uh, <laughs> <laughs> from Minnesota. <laughs> so Theo's from Minnesota, and Tony and I are California born and raised. And driving up here, it started snowing, and Tony and I were like, "Oh, look at this beautiful yeah. snow! This is great. Like the ice he kicked the ice and made a little snowball. It was great." And Theo was just like. Oh, I'm sick of this stuff. Yeah, I was like, I'm already tired. Of I grew it. Up yeah, in yeah. I saw one flake go down with little, little wind gusts. I was like, I'm already sick of it. <laughs> You're like, oh god, I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, I guess you said Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. So yeah, you're getting what, like 16 feet of snow every winter? Oh, at just least. about. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Jesus. Like people, like the snow will melt and there'll be bodies just frozen in there, like mummies. <sighs> yeah. And the, the I had a friend go to college there, and he was saying that between like November and April, it's like a hamster habitat because that's just it's just tunnels from one to the next, and if you travel outside, it's only for like as fast as possible. Yeah. So you just go through these little tunnels through all the buildings and underground and all this. Well, other and the stuff. worst thing is no college, like no college or university believes in snow days there. Yeah. So like in order <laughs> in order for it just to be two hours late. Like that, that's when it's like 30 below zero with like six. And they're still like, oh, we'll have a two hour delay. Yeah. yeah. You're in California and it's like, oh, there's a light sprinkle. I'm going to put on my hoodie. I'm going to put my other hoodie, put my rain boots on, yeah. Yeah. Put, like, my snow jacket on. And then end up staying like, home. Back. Yeah. yeah. Now I can go to my car and get my phone charger yeah, and right. go back. Like, yeah. It's like we freak out over just the slightest amount of weather. Uh, so this, uh, I have post-traumatic snow disorder, PTSD. Yeah. No, so. I get it. Mm-hmm. No, I've, I've taken up mountaineering specifically to overcome my fear of snow and treacherous weather. So, are, are you oh, trying man. to climb the seven summits? Yes. Yes, I... No, oh God. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I can't even... I can barely climb the seven smallest summits in Oregon. Sort of a deal. <laughs> like, we have Pilot Butte in the middle of town here. I'm sure you drove by it. I've been up to the top of that thing. Well, I've walked to the top of that thing maybe twice in my life. Mm. Ever. Oh, yeah. I'm just a second story of my right? apartment, and I'm just like <laughs> I'm just, like, angry. Like, oh, wow, two flights of stairs? Oh, no. <laughs> there's there's most days where you'll go home for lunch and just sit in your car until you have to yeah, go back. It's not worth it. It's not, <laughs> Don't even want to go upstairs. Oh, that's yeah. so true, though. Yeah. Let me drink this uh, vitamin C package and clip bar before I <laughs> hustle up to the second story. Hardcore. <laughs> uh, so... You guys, originally from California, both right. raised in Southern California? I'm from Northern California. I'm from uh, up near San Francisco. I'm from San Mateo, which is what the city's called. Mm-hmm. And uh, I moved. I went to college in San Diego, and then I moved to L.A. in 2012. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, then I met Eric shortly thereafter, probably about a year or two after I moved. Mm-hmm. And he, I believe, is from Southern California. Yeah, so you got the NorCal area. I'm yeah. L.A. born and raised. Um, I love it, but it really does spoil you because I think I really do. Um, I like really want to enjoy the snow. Yeah. I want to enjoy seasons, but you know, for us, like sixty degrees is you know you freak out. Oh yeah, that's a season. Yeah. yeah, that's like our season. <laughs> so it's it spoils you. It spoils you. And I love weather, but it ta- it definitely takes me a little extra. Like Ugh. yeah, it's like really like oh this is awesome. Yeah, I mean in LA it's what it's summer and then there's that one week of rain. Yeah, <laughs> we this week we got one. Yeah, you already did that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
And that's when everyone dies. Yeah. And that's when yeah. everyone crashes. Everybody yeah. freaks out. Yeah, we had, like, and I, of course, I, I always talk about the this year specifically because it was really bad here in Central Oregon. Right. We've had, like, 10 feet just within the last month or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I could be exaggerating. Uh, I feel like it was more like 20 feet. Um, but, <laughs> I'm exaggerating. It was more. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it was, it's been absolutely ridiculous. And of course, you know, I, I was raised in this and I remember the winter of 93, we had, yeah, that sounds like a horrible, yeah, thing. I know. Yeah. I remember winter the winter of, of 93. Yeah. yeah. And it was, and <laughs> we shovel. like overnight we got three feet of snow and it just kept snowing after that. So we would shovel, we'd go to school. I think we had maybe one snow day that entire winter. Um, but in central Oregon, that's normal. Yeah, we're used to that. That's no big deal. Like in Minnesota, like you, yeah. We like, hate it, but we're used. To it. Yeah, the only way that school is called off is if the buses can't get out of the parking lot in the right. morning. Yeah. Then they call it. But if those buses get out, then the entire town is going that day. So so then you, you want to take like a pen knife and just like slash yeah. all the bus stops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the tires are so frozen when it just bounces off. <laughs> Snaps the knife. Yeah. So listen up, kids. Buy a chainsaw. <laughs> um, find your local school bus and just have at it. Yeah. And then you don't have to go to school. Kids yeah. probably have chainsaws these days. Well, uh, you never know. You never know. Kids are different now. <laughs> kids How are, are kids different? Now, are they just like know. a little more open-minded? No, they just all have weapons. Um, <laughs> yeah. like they all have massive chainsaws, guys. Yeah, that just makes sense. Uh, the 80s were a different time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Did you guys have to shovel snow before you went to school? Like, to get out? Oh, God, no. No, are you kidding me? No. I, was, I, I said something I, that made me think. I was like, God, there's no way I didn't, I'd do This that. is how much I hate being an adult and having my own house is that I now have to shovel yeah. things. Oh, <laughs> so bad this year, you. oh, this year was so bad that I actually had to, I, I used a rake, I elongate, I got this whole thing. Yeah. I had to, I had to plow snow off of our roof. Oh, uh, otherwise it'll, uh, yes. I don't even know what those words it. mean. So like, <laughs> the, so there's two issues. One, the reason I finally did it is because three separate buildings buildings in one day had their roof collapse because of the snow Whoa. one of them was a school uh one of only two schools that had called it off that day um, and they would still be two hours late yeah if the roof collapsed yeah exactly and it was like it was like the whole gym but then there was another warehouse that collapsed so i was like maybe i should pull some snow off but the bigger deal is that ice dams would build up so you get you get the slope Whoa. of the roof and then like the icicles building up and the ice will just keep building up on the edge to the so point where the water yeah, yeah, will yeah. seep back in yeah, yeah did, did, you just, did you design this rake thing yourself so a bunch of rakes together yeah it was it was mostly a rake a two by four <laughs> and like another like piece of plywood it looked like a big and giant a rake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but here's here's so where cool. my ingenuity got even better is that like the day before i watched all of my neighbors with their like aluminum ladders like trying to move through feet three feet of snow right. like move the ladder one foot climb up chisel a whole bunch move it another foot and kind of settle it down i was like what would be an easier way yeah, to do I this I built stilts. I to get onto the stilts okay. to originally get up on them. I needed a short ladder, but yeah, stepping through the snow. Um, I mean, the basic idea is that I can just hold on to the edge of the roof and use the stilts as just like sort of a simple oh, ladder and just so walk through. Say, oh, it is stilts in the sunshine. So but here's the thing: snow. what if I fall? What am I going to fall into? Three feet yeah, of snow. Yeah, okay. 
Yeah. It is soft. I mean, we were playing with it out there. It's pretty ingenuity. Yeah. Or I'm just I'm see, here's here's what I'm afraid of is that I am going to end up being like the crazy old guy in the neighborhood. On stilts. Where yeah, like <laughs> the idea is that like at random times at like eight PM at night you'll hear like fireworks and chainsaws in my garage and stuff like that. And then like at one o'clock in the morning, people will like look out their windows and the door will open and I'll <laughs> wheel some sort of contraption out. Yeah. <laughs> I can see you doing that. Mr. Ryan, yeah. sir, where are you going? John Day. <laughs> going to John Day today. Oh, what a crazy man. Record time! Uh, the goal is to just get out of there as quickly as possible. Um, it's not a vacation spot? Uh, well, I love it as a vacation spot because it is the house that we have is right on the river, big backyard. Oh, yes. Nobody ever comes by. Like, you go to the grocery store and I'll maybe see like five, well, I'll see half of the people in that building know who my family is, so I have to stop and talk to everybody. Right. Oh, but, yeah, so yeah, my entire, my whole dad's side of the family is from that area, so I well, know. it's a casual place. See, yeah. It is John Day. Exactly. Not Jonathan, not Jonathan Day. Yeah, very casual and welcoming. Let's hang out. But, again, like Andy Griffith, like, you just walk into town and it's so peaceful and relaxed and things move so slow. It's just, like, very <laughs> low expectations of anything. That's great. So you go to the store. You go sit by the river during the day. It's fun. That's nice. So what's, like, yeah. the economy of that town? Is it still, like, a lot of lumber? Is it still a lot of, like... Uh, so the lumber mill is still... Is that a word? The, yeah. <laughs> Woodsmith. Lumbering. Yeah. Lum, lum, yeah. Um, so the lumber industry is still going, but it's definitely not the biggest one. Yeah, well, less wood. Yeah. yeah. They have they have pretty big hospital... I just um, want to point out that when I said less wood, Tony immediately just blushed red. With, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he all. Uh, yeah. Well, He's well, like I said, people are a lot more relaxed there, a lot less expectations, so they don't need to be as wood all the time. Yeah. It'd um, be great relaxed. if you were going to go like write something, you know, like uh, you wanted to write a novel. You yeah. the river and just Skip let it come to you, John Muir style. Yeah. yeah. With a full erection. <laughs> um, <laughs> just write this book with a full, full, full B. Don't, See, don't read Eric's books. Yeah, For the longest time, <laughs> the I thought stick together. that John Day was going to be its own society because it's one of those towns where, like, it was almost a ghost town where <laughs> yeah. if the lumber mill closed up, everybody Everyone, would move. Yeah. That's all there is to it. But for a while, they had, like, a Dairy Queen and a Subway and a McDonald's. Ooh, but times. this yeah. last year, I went there, and the McDonald's skipped town. So I'm afraid of what else is going to happen. <laughs> like, Dairy Queen's okay, though. Yeah, Dairy Queen is still there. The Dairy Queen has actually been there longer than I can remember. They that has be been celebrating the McDonald's oh. left. Oh God, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, we own the burgers. It's a mess. Exactly. It's a mess in the back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's all a front. It's all a front. Yeah, yeah. Um, they got their first uh, microbrew pub. Ooh. Um, in yeah. John Day? Yeah, in John oh, Day. John Day's John becoming Day too big. Uh, it's called like 1812 Brewing, or it's like some okay. random number that doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I did. Oh, so we did one show there one time. We had, uh, do you guys know Benji Wright? No. no. Benji. He's an Oregon comic. Amazing guy. One of the most professional guys I've ever worked with. And we were doing a charity show because wildland firefighting is the number one industry during the summer. Yeah, so like half of the unemployed people in the county just go fighting wildland fires. So yeah, but they had a fire that year that was just right on the edge of town. So rather than forest, it was almost all farmland and stuff like that. Oh, no. So and it was a lot of people that we knew. So we're like, oh, we're going to do a charity show. We're going to go um, because there were two specific families that completely lost their homes altogether right? yeah oh, like they didn't even have time to get stuff out of there Jeez. so like yeah they like it was to the point where they had to 
uh, release animals out of the barn and pins and stuff like that and just release the fences and hope that they survive sort of a thing because there was enough time to like get them all into the trailers and then haul them out of there so it was a luck based thing so we do this show and yes and here's where it gets even more horrible is that we do this charity show and I guess the issue was that we didn't advertise enough but we were doing this show and apparently on Saturday nights 9 o'clock is when everybody is done pre-funking and they go out to the bars in John Day so we had about a dozen people there that were really nice enjoying the show that started at 8 and then at 9 o'clock all of these drunk hicks came in not a single one of them had any idea that a comedy show was going on whatsoever and then they did their own crazy being loud and obnoxious. And there was one guy who was like, hey, sh- could you keep it down? We're doing a thing over here. And je- and threatened to take me outside. Oh, boy. And I was like, I'm just asking you to be quiet. Like, you can still You're talk. Really so you can just yeah. bring it down a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And then as we were, and then he proceeds to get more drunk through the night. And what is hilarious is that as I was leaving, like we were packing stuff up and like about to get in the car, um, his like he says something to me outside like as I'm leaving and then while I'm outside apparently his what I assume was true to be his mother this woman old woman walks up to him and I was like oh, he's, I'm his mom and I can't believe you would talk to him that way and that you would do that and I was like <laughs> Uh, I just asked him to be quiet. Asking? Yeah, exactly. Um, you did have to fight that guy, though. I like your chances if his mom is. The- <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's not gonna take this. Oh yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. Like this is how this is that? how this is how small that town is. This is this right. is how people don't really get out of there. Is that when you start a bar fight, your mom is your bro backing you up. That <laughs> oh, sort of a man. thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You probably wouldn't have been afraid to take on the mom either. <laughs> no, and like, see, that was the crazy thing. She's is probably that missing a couple teeth right yeah yeah i wouldn't be surprised i assume so i didn't really want to be a part of it you never know yeah i think that was it i think this was like a like a playground sort of a thing like they were being mean to me because they really like he's gonna talk to you you uh you get in a fight with him and then i come in and then we talk there's your your john day novel right there yeah very nicholas sparks-esque it starts with the founding of the town and it ends with the charity comedy show That's the history. <laughs> All right, guys, let's go. It's nine o'clock. We gotta go to the bar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, back to question. Back to you guys. Yeah. Uh, so originally from California, from Minnesota, everybody moved to Southern California. That's right. Um, yep. So how long between when you guys moved to Southern California and when you started com- doing comedy? What oh what came first so and I, what was the distance? I'm born and raised SoCal. I started doing improv. I was doing a lot of improv when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, went to like improv theater in college. And then the first, um, I did one open mic when I was like 18. And it was horrible because I had one joke. And I was like, I'll figure it out. And <laughs> it was really bad. And then I didn't do it for a while. Um, and then, like, three years later, when I was 21, March 17, uh, 2011, I want to say, um, I did my next mic, and then from there... Do you want to share what that one joke was? Yeah, please our, do. Uh, with our listeners? You can't, yeah, you the, can't just not... The first joke I ever wrote... I'm actually kind of proud of it. Uh, first joke I ever wrote was... Um, I was in college at the time, and it was... Um, Hey guys, I'm uh, majoring in theater, going to college, and um, I'm doing Spanish minor, uh, but don't tell our parents. <laughs> solid first joke. It's a solid... They, they don't get better from there. I just got progressively worse um, over the following uh, years. That's yeah. that's one of those jokes that if they get it right away, it's funny. Yeah. But if they don't get it, it's going to take them a while to get it. So if you just move on really fast, yeah. the only people that really like get the punchline are the people that are going to laugh at it. Yeah. So, yeah. And it was like, I think like a three minute mic or something. And I was like, I got this one joke. 
Yeah, that's like three minutes, right? That's that's my sense of time. It's like as long as a Blink-182 song. Um, so yeah, uh, it was an awkward experience, but um, luckily when I got back into it, I, I was just writing a lot more. I took a really, really great stand-up class. Um, started getting some shows out of that, and then you know just things started getting better and better and better, and started putting my name out more, and started working a lot more. And uh, now I'm here today, and it's been a great journey, and I've loved it. How it long ago was that open mic? Um, the first open mic I ever did was 18, so I want to say that was like 2008. Um, but I got serious like 2011. 18, 2008 was when the Great Recession happened. Is there open mic <laughs> responsible for that? It was only that open joke. mic spots. Yeah. It was only, yeah. The economy folded after that joke. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the reason, guys. I'm yeah. the reason. So, Theo. Uh, I, I moved to L.A. literally New Year's Day of 2015. Oh, wow. That wasn't even planned. It was just coincidence. And then I started stand-up April 30th of that year so oh. so I, why'd you move to la uh i just i just wanted to get the heck out yeah yeah la I mean, seemed like I, the I escape to change of pace yeah oh god yeah i mean when you're when you live there for like 23 years you're and then you i i, I visited la like a year before that and i was like this is so amazing like yeah. what am i missing out on avocados on everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is a wonderful magical no town gluten to be found anyway. yeah, yeah it's, it's insane so i was like i'm making it my home i'm gonna do whatever it takes it's that that next year happened so what was your first time on stage uh it was actually a bringer show Ooh, yeah. and did you bring her i i bring her i don't even know her. Two? yeah <laughs> yeah and they never talked to me after that. <laughs> no, it, it it really it of I mean it really was a pretty bad set. Yeah. As as it. How much long. time? It's like five minutes. How much did you fill? <laughs> five minutes. Did actually. you? Yeah, and it was all material. And I did an hour, and Theo did an hour for the five minutes that everyone walked. I don't know why. Yeah. But the booker like forced me into doing it actually because I really? worked with her and she's like, oh, you should you should try. She's she was from Memphis, so she was like, is that your Memphis accent, Theo? Yeah, you should try <laughs> doing stand up. <laughs> Solid impression. That's that yeah, <laughs> I, I practice in front of a mirror. That's what I was doing until four in the morning last night. Yeah, that's why I practice some things too. So yeah. But I I was like, oh, I don't want to do stand up. It sounds scary. And yeah. she's like, no, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Trust me. She made great frittatas, too, by the way. <laughs> was but, this uh, still the mirror person you're talking about? Yes, yes. <laughs> and she's like, no, just have a five-minute set. And then, by the way, it's like in four days. I'm like, oh! Yeah. And then I and did. Then you shit, and then you took a big old poop. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Four right, days, and you just right clenched the, up. That, that was from the frittata. Turtled that, yeah. That was from the frittata. Oh, okay. Those yeah. eggs, man. Lactose. I get you. Yeah, so uh, I, I did that show, and then she invited me to do an independent show at the comedy store after that, like a week later. And then what? after that, I was like, I'm in love with comedy, yeah. which is corny to say. but So Easy Street we is what you're that. saying. Oh, That's yeah. been your I, path. I took an elevator to the top, basically. <sighs> <laughs> so, Theo, we met, we met at Van Nuys Comedy Club. Yeah, we did. The Springbok. Were you, were you doing comedy back then? Because I remember Joey, your friend Joey Gaynor, who's an amazing comic, he did a set that night, and you were like hanging out. And I was yeah. like, is this guy a comic, or is he just, like, hanging out? Were you doing comedy at that time? Oh, yeah, definitely. I just wasn't booked. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing comedy, comedy all over the place. When was that? That was probably about, I met you what, like a year That was ago? early in, like, probably Maybe in your first summer. month or two. The, or probably wasn't that summertime? Two. Yeah. Give or take. Crazy. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That, was, that was really crazy. It's wild. It's this wild. was two years ago. 15? Yeah, give or take, yeah. Okay. 
Uh, it'll be two years this April. This April. So. Aw, adorable. Mm, do you remember? Do you remember any jokes from your first time on stage? Uh, I, so I wasn't Theo Manhattan is uh, not my original. <gasps> dun dun dun! Sound effect. I just found out. I wanna I want a stage name um, for podcasts and shows, <laughs> but I want to make sure people know that's not my real name. Yeah, um, I've never been to New York. To clarify this in every podcast that I'm on, just to make it okay. So it's originally A W D N G is my last name, Auden. It's pronounced. Okay. So I was like. I, I was born during the Clinton administration, and my parents still couldn't afford to buy a vowel. <laughs> my, fir- my first ever joke. Yeah? I was, like, I was like, I felt like my parents named me after they played, like, drunk Scrabble. Oh, yeah, So, yeah. Scrabble. It's just regular... No, I, I, I play just... Scrabble when I'm drunk, guys. Scrabble when I'm drunk. <laughs> it's like no, I play sober Scrabble. Really? That's a thing? Yeah, totally. And Bananagrams. Bananagrams? Oh, you don't know Bananagrams? No. Sounds like a delicious, tasty dessert. It actually comes in a banana pouch. What's a banana pouch? Like, <laughs> like a banana-shaped pouch. Oh, I thought like there was a thing like a banana pouch. Like, <laughs> what, no, it's a man thong. That's what they, oh, that's a slang oh, term for a man thong. Strictly oh, euphemisms. Yeah. Strictly okay. euphemisms. Sorry, um, that was really hard. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> penises. Right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave. Hey, leave so uh, Tony. Um, <laughs> so Tony, when did you start doing comedy? <laughs> the perfect segues here. We've got bananagrams out of the way. I actually, so I, I used to run all of like the big assemblies at my high school with one other guy, and so I used to have to do like ten minutes of basically either videos or skits to open each of these assemblies like eight times a year. So I yeah. got really used to performing in front of a lot of people, and I'd say like sixty-five percent of it went well. And I really, uh, I really enjoyed that. And then I, someone introduced me to, not introduced me to him, but to his, uh, to his comedy, I learned about Dane Cook. Ah. And he was like, you know, I then later found out that every comedian hates Dane Cook. But so, well, if you were in high school at the time, yeah, yeah, then yeah. that's exactly what he is going and for. And he's out of my space. So I will, so this, this will, hopefully this will alleviate your love, past love of Dane Cook yeah, and boy. current secret love of Dane Cook. Oh, I still love him. The, <laughs> yeah. Do you, uh, do you have a story about the, him? Well, there's no story. It's just people tend to shit on him. And when it comes to the business side of our industry, he can't be any smarter. Yeah. Um, so about Madison Square Garden? How yeah. do you not respect that? Yeah, How exactly. do you not respect yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. And the idea, well, and at the same time is that Steve Martin got to the exact same point, and, but he didn't enjoy doing it anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's why he stopped. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, the real professionals don't try to sell out Madison Square Garden. They do it in actual clubs. And right. I was like, well, that's what they enjoy doing. Yeah. That's the path that they're taking with this industry. And, you know, Dane Cook, yeah, we like to shit on him. He's a little bit of an asshole. Like, I just <laughs> feel like he's very cocky about his career, yeah. which he can be when he sells out huge stadiums but yeah it's he's doing his own thing it works for him he found a very specific niche um which is high school college bros yeah yeah, exactly i was like no one else will say it yeah yeah and like honestly yeah if like he could oh god he could survive off of just doing shows at fraternity houses across the country oh yeah and he could make Easily, like yeah. half mil. Yeah, year. exactly. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, he could. He like, yeah, go to each town, go to Greek Row, probably do five 
you know, half hour sets, get yeah. paid 5,000 bucks for each one, yeah. and then just hang out and party yeah, with the, happens. oh God, yes. So yeah. yeah, and I mean, these are, I mean, millennials. Yeah, that's I, that's really I all I can say. how big he was in like 2005, six. Oh God, yeah, yeah. He was the He was untouchable, yeah. yeah. He had, and, and I mean, Bo Burnham was the next person to do it, but yeah. um, the idea that YouTube became mm-hmm. a thing just as he started. So he started putting his stuff online. Yeah. And these kids that were too young to go to comedy clubs had access to his stand-up mm-hmm. so and they didn't Bo have Burnham's to like 24 and just like killing it yeah with, exactly and it's just like yeah mm-hmm. which is absolutely ridiculous but yeah we can we can call him an asshole but we have to give him his props yeah, because we can call him an asshole, asshole but i, I have ten dollars <laughs> and he has three million in the bank yeah, exactly not sure who wins this fight not Bye, sure yeah. you can literally i will wash your balls <laughs> you will please buy me lunch oh dear god yeah i have three thousand morals he has three thousand yeah, dollars right. uh, let's see how <laughs> yeah close. well Dane, also, Dane also had like a his parents something his parents got cancer right yeah his his, his mom died and then his dad died like a month right. later, yeah, she, which yeah, happens a lot. It's one of those unbelievable things. Broken heart syndrome. Yeah, it's a it's, thing. Literally, I mean, you spend what fifty plus years with somebody, and they're, they're every gone. day, you're yeah, lucky, and then it happens. So. Good I, cheerful things here on the podcast, guys. <laughs> yeah, oh no, I'm gonna cheer it up even more. You want to? Like, I have a theory about this. Yeah. Not only do does one person give out. Like, the idea is that they are they cohabitate. They take care of each other. Mm-hmm. So not only does this one person lose somebody, but they lose that person that's taking care of them. Yes. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Good theory, right? Well, you know, yeah. you totally lose a part of yourself when that person dies too. Oh, because God, like yeah. they have a, very much a part of you, and you very much are a part of them, and you're yeah. like almost like one symbiotic being, just like yeah. living as two individuals. Yeah, and I... to lose part of who you are, like yeah, you're my part of your life. Yeah, my girlfriend, she she. I easily cooks 60% of all the meals that we have. So if something were to happen to her, not only would I have this huge hole in my life, but I would have this huge hole in my stomach. Yeah. So It'd be yeah. like a physical, like, oh, I don't have some Cheerios again. Exactly. Like Brian yeah. in his kitchen, like with a stick poking the stove, like, come on, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. give me pizza. <laughs> what do I got to do, man? So I microwave <laughs> the tinfoil <laughs> around the hamburger. Is that what I do? You microwave. Yeah. Yeah, okay. See what happens. Microwave a fork, too. Cool. Yeah, I call the local delivery people in order to turn my oven on. Uh, so, do you? What was your first time on stage? Uh, I was 2006, so it's a long time ago. I, did, I went to college, but I did shows like once, maybe twice a year. Yeah. And my friends all knew that I wanted to do comedy, and they were all part of like punk rock bands. Mm-hmm. So they had this big show, and there was you know full of a bunch of goth and emo and punk kids and stuff. And then right in the middle, up comes some. Dane Cook wannabe 18 year old comedian telling jokes that nobody really wanted to hear. Yeah. But uh, some of the kids' oh parents were there and who they was, actually who was liked it because they were like, Aww. they didn't care for the music. They're like, oh, we thought you actually were yeah. pretty good. Like, we liked this, we liked that. Because a lot of it was about my family and stuff, so they could relate. Yeah. So it was, looking back, not good. But for a first time, <laughs> yeah. wasn't terrible. Ooh, so, and 18 year old's jokes. I. Oh, no, I won't do any of them anymore. No, oh, come on, please. What do you got? Do you have one? Do you remember? Come tonight to uh, Bend Comedy. <laughs> Catch to out Tony's first ever 10 minutes, guys. The hottest bits from 2006. Come <laughs> oh, no, there God. was one I, I told these guys about when I was, I said, I got, I'm not a morning person. You know, I got in the shower and I looked down and I was wearing socks, which is weird because I don't wear socks when I sleep. And so somewhere between the shower and my bed, I put them on. And it wasn't very good. Catch this and was- more at Bend Comedy <laughs> tonight, 8 p.m., 
Uh, I thought you were going to do like a Tamagotchi joke or something. (laughs) There was a good Tamagotchi joke the other night Eric had. So I was on my Neopets account the other day. We were looking at the Tamagotchi. We're like, why isn't there a Tamagotchi app? And then... Oh, yeah! That was great. (laughs) My brother was saying, he's like, why isn't there a Tamagotchi app that could make millions, you know? And so he brings out his phone and he looks and turns out there is a Tamagotchi app and he's like, oh, well, it's a dollar. He's like, screw it, I'm going to buy it anyways. And then Eric and I are like, well, that's how... They're making all their money because yeah. so many people are like, why is there a Tamagotchi? We should app? do it. Let's make let's it. research it. Oh, it's already a thing. Okay, I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> no one's buying the Tamagotchi app off like, oh yeah, this would be fun to buy. Everyone has the idea of making right. it, yeah. and that's the lead in. And they don't even yeah. know how terrible it is. Yeah. They just want it to happen. It must be a terrible app, though. That, no, I've never seen anyone use it. Have you? It's still no. in the pixels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's literally just a picture of a Tamagotchi <laughs> with that little teeny tiny one inch screen. And you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah. God. It was all about social value for Tamagotchis. Like, you yeah. don't want to play with it. You just want people to know you had it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, yeah. It was totally a status so symbol. If it's an app, no one's going to care. Yeah. And your brother was like, yeah, man, I load up my Tamagotchi, and everyone's like, feeding my Tamagotchi. He's getting all fat. Yeah. Don't make my Tamagotchi fat. All right? He's on a strict diet. What's he doing? I'm like, oh, that's It's funny because super fair. out there, there's like a bunch of people that know exactly what you just said because they all had Tamagotchis, and when they get fat, they die. Yeah. <laughs> like, when you get lazy with them, you don't play with them. Yeah. They just... You wake 2006 up guys the yeah. bits from 06 tonight yeah. <laughs> oh, and, then, and then your brother was was in the process of buying it yeah we convinced like, we stopped oh, I need him my, I need my credit card number I don't <laughs> oh, yeah. have my card with me yeah and yeah, he had to like I walk to the he's thing. like oh, screw yeah. it I'm not getting <laughs> I'm sorry if you're using a credit card to purchase a Tamagotchi you are you have not made that's right how niche the life. market is for it yeah. people who think about making Tamagotchi yeah. apps that have their credit cards <laughs> on their person while they're like stoned in bed yeah. from 2 to 4 a.m. Like, that's their only demo, and that's who they're hitting. And it's working. It's working. Yep. Oh, dear God. I, Did you have a Tamagotchi? I had a Digimon. Oh! oh sorry, Ryan. The, sorry. No, and see, I always feel like the Digimon was sort of the uh, laser disc yeah. to Pokemon's yeah. DVD. Yeah, good, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there was more stuff to do with the Digimon, though. There was so, no buttons. So here's the thing, is that Pokemon started <laughs> as merchandise and then became a cartoon. Yeah, as where, yeah, as where Digimon started as a cartoon specifically for merchandise. So it has like, a better storyline in the first season sure. in order to the sell the merchandise. The first season was the best. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, and then the second season sort of went downhill uh, because Cabo of the whole... Cabo The... <laughs> so, oh, God. I, I don't want to seem super like, uh... So there's Yu-Gi-Oh. Yes. Yes. Different from Digimon. <laughs> Way okay. different. So... Who's the, who's the Digimon kid? The... Ty. Yeah, well, it's not so, Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh is the Digimon boy. So Pokemon no. is you gather Pokemon specifically to battle them against other people's Pokemon. Got it. Yeah. Digimon is this digital world that exists in, within the internet. Like it is, it is this world that was created when the internet was created, uh, where these different programs that don't have a computer to rest in go to this place and they take form somehow. So there are the Digidestins, which are these kids that end up in that world. They have their own Digimon that are their personal Digimon. And then they, through different trials and tribulations, they get their whatever, whatever that is their personal stuff. So are those kids people or those kids programs so the kids are actual people but they're like computer nerds they that's the thing is that matrixing that's them trying to figure it out yeah it's pretty much the matrix sort of a deal plugging into the world 
Yeah, so yeah. they're going into the Matrix in order to fight the agents. So Keanu Reeves is Yu-Gi-Oh in Pokemon. Yes. And then the Digimon world. So uh, the Pikachu has the blue eyes and is a white dragon. So so, so here's how so you know how in Harry Potter everybody has like an owl or a cat or a frog yeah. or some sort of yeah. animal. Picture that concept but in the Matrix. Ooh. There you go. Okay. And okay. Yu-Gi-Oh started off as a card game, became yeah. a cartoon, and the cartoon is about an Egyptian pharaoh named Yu-Gi-Oh, yeah, who who inhabits himself in these millennium items, which are like these artifacts. And this is real world. This isn't like digital world, right? This is real world. That and like that one, that one's more like aliens and monsters, sort of a thing. Well, yeah, cause, and then they play the actual card game in the show. <laughs> so, like, the season one is all about. It's called Duelist Kingdom, and there's Maximilian Pegasus. See, that's where the third season of Digimon just completely lost it. Because like, in the first episode, it's not even about, like, the Digimon digivolving. It's about, like, I've got this card of this person, and I'm going to scan it. And I was like, oh, oh no. 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 And I'm like, no, you are literally, we are literally just watching a cartoon of kids playing the card game <laughs> now. Yeah. Like, that's not, like, well, with crazy creatures running in the back. I'm like, no, that's, ugh. <laughs> uh, and then there was Magic, Magic the Gathering. I still play he Magic. He was a master. Oh, okay. See, I wish... See, here's the thing, is that the kids in middle school that were playing Magic were more of, like, the hardcore nerds. Like, such a specific (laughs) group. Like, they were even... Like, they are the nerdiest of nerds, but they were still too much bro (laughs) for me. Because... Like yeah, these were the guys that you were would... a Digimon kid. Yeah, exactly. Ah. I was Digimon. Like so, there's man. Junior high is tough, guys. Oh yeah, <laughs> junior high is a tough time. Are you a magic kid? No, I'm Digimon. Aww. I'm trying. To, I'm trying to think of like the so they're like everybody has their clique of like jock and nerd and gang uh, affiliations. All of this stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So like then there was the oh, nerd yeah, clique that went off into sub cliques. Yeah. So Magic the Gathering was like the jock of nerds. Yeah. So like those were the hardcore guys like Where's into D&D? like um the so the, the jocks uh, so like we didn't do much D and D in middle school. Okay. Um, there was really only like one group of kids in high school that really did it. Yeah. Um, so I didn't. And again, these were the kids that played magic in middle school. Oh, so they so did. The bros the yeah. So they cool. did more of the mythological sort of uh, role playing stuff. Um, and then there was the Pokemon, which was just the young kids. Yeah. Um, and then there was the Digimon, which is like we're, we were like the niche kids, like the same level as Pokemon, but we we were just we thought of ourselves completely different from yeah. them. It's like you have the theater kids and then like yeah. the musical theater kids. Yeah. Yes, you guys exactly. Like the musical theater kids. Yes, neither one is winning. Yeah, neither <laughs> one's better, but we're our own thing. Yeah. Um, and then Yu Gi Oh was just sort of the anime. Yu Gi Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh, Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, I, said, I was like, wait, is there a Yu-Gi-Oh and a Yu-Gi-Oh? <laughs> yeah. Too much, man. Yeah, Too much. Are these the same? And they fight each other. Oh, God, now. I got so freaked yeah, out. That's like, yeah, that's like I'm following, and now I'm lost. Um, that was that group was kind of like the uh, uh, the uh, foreign exchange students that never quite fit in. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, they, they, Yu-Gi-Oh kids were them. the smelliest kids, too. Yeah. That's hard to put on a group. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm see, I used to work at a card shop. Yeah, called Hobby Goblins, yeah. and I I work because I Solid wanted to plug, be around by the all way. the. Oh yeah, <laughs> plug, I wanted to be. I wanted to work yeah. with all the magic cards. I was sorting and shipping and stuff, but I also facilitated Yu Gi Oh tournaments. 
And there was all these like super just pathetic nerds that came. Oh, in. they're people. Says the magic they're the people. gathering. Yeah. 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 nerds, get out of my car. No, shop. but they, they they smelled like one time. The whole room had like a cloud of odor to the point where we had to keep the door open and a fan going when yeah. it was like yeah. twenty degrees outside. No time to yeah. shower when you got the Yu-Gi-Oh going <laughs> on, man. I have to make my fiend deck. <laughs> if only. If what they need to do is like in like uh, like old baseball cards, they had like one that was like a sheet of gum. They could do the same thing with yeah. like bars of soap or something like that. <laughs> oh yeah, or like Listerine strips. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Oh god, we'll have shape back there. that would I'm be sure amazing. There's one good smelling Yu-Gi-Oh kid. Out there. Of course, that was not all. Hashtag not all Yu-Gi-Oh. Kids. Did anybody yeah. ever like enjoy the gum? That came. It was like su- always super rock hard. It was powdery yeah. too. Yeah. Bazooka yeah, was the same way. In mouth. It wasn't gum. It was just well. And gross. see, that's the thing. I didn't do baseball cards. I did Bazooka Joe to collect the oh, jokes. Bazooka Joe, nice. fantastic. Yes. Yeah. This was. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't even think about becoming a stand-up comic until like I was like 23, 24 ish. Mm-hmm. But I look back through my childhood and I was like, there's so many things that point to comedy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah I see the signs. Yeah. Exactly. And <laughs> I was like, I hated like, baseball cards. <laughs> So my dad's an older guy, and I remember as a kid watching like old Laurel and Hardy, old Buster Keaton, yeah, and like obsessing over it. Yeah, and looking back on it, I'm like, oh, it's so influential. Like, yeah, oh god, this is great. Um, but they're things that don't really click when you're in the moment. Yeah, you know I mean? the the Mr. Bean watching Mr. Mr. Bean oh, as yeah. a kid. Everybody I just saw Mr. Bean's or Rowan Atkinson's um, Just for Laughs. Uh, set. Mm. Oh, it's so good. Was it's, it the air drumming thing he did? No, like that's also really, kid? really good. Yeah, it's someone reading what not to do on a date, and Rowan Atkinson oh! miming all yeah. of it out. The uh, dating yeah. do's and, and don'ts. Yeah. So oh good. god. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, he does. He did a one man show. See, so he has a degree from uh, like Harvard Medical or something like that, yeah. and now he's the world's greatest mime. As I was gonna say, so- <laughs> weird to hear him talk. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like a brilliant man who's like no. Jokes and yeah. yeah, and as a child, I would watch that and be like, "This is absolutely amazing." I don't know why I'm so mesmerized by this entire thing, but for some reason, I really respect what I'm watching right now. And as an adult and doing comedy and improv and stuff like that, I look at that and I'm like, "I have never seen somebody make use of his stage better than he does." Yeah. He doesn't have to talk. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't even know what his voice sounds like. He, oh god, yeah. the The first time I heard his voice was Johnny the English. Johnny English. No, That's what I was just oh, thinking yeah. playing Zazu the bird on the. Lion King. Oh, that's him. No, it's not. It is. That's yeah, Gilbert Gottfried. No, nope. that's Iago. Yeah, that's the bird from, from the Aladdin. Yeah, Wait, Zazu is. Yeah. So Zazu is a toucan. Iago yeah. is a parrot. What? Uh, that's Rowan Atkinson. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh we'll God. listen to "I Just Can't Wait to Be King" in the car, and you'll hear him sing yeah. a little bit. Oh yeah, it's pretty good. Life, man. Yeah. Right. Life. Yeah. What What would you say was your biggest? If you had to pick one thing, what was your biggest? influence to start comedy like maybe from your childhood um it is confirmed serial rapist bill cosby Okay. I was like, this is getting yeah. weird. I thought you were just going to stop at con- convicted series. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you which one. <laughs> a whole whole class of them in general. I just, yeah. convicted serial rapists just make me want to start. <laughs> no, but Cosby, I mean, that's a that's a valid one. Yes. Yes. You didn't know. None of us knew. Well, and that's the thing is that my first, like we were sitting, in, I remember this specifically, is uh, when I was a kid, we would go to Midnight Mass at church and on the way home, we'd always take like the longest route because because church was clear on the other side of town. We lived on the other side. So we would drive slowly through town, look at all the Christmas lights. My grandma just loved that. Um, And one year, uh, I'm not sure if it was my family or her, but somebody had a cassette tape of Bill Cosby's um, 
uh, I think it was Why Is There Air? Or it was the one with Noah. Noah. Uh, Something about his arc? Uh, a Very Funny Fellow, okay. right? I think was the name of the album. And I listened to that and I was like, oh my God, this is hilarious. I have never been so entertained listening to the radio before. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is a cassette tape. And I stole it and I listened to it <laughs> over and over to the point where I could recite every single thing there. Oh, wow. And again, like I was saying, like I didn't realize that stand-up comedian was a legitimate career that you could pick. Yeah, like, well, I was like, don't tell their kids that for a reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and Doctor, I would see architect. <laughs> I would be like, so, oh, no, Bill that. Cosby is just a uh, movie star right. who goes on stage, that people pay for him to go on stage and talk for an hour. It's like, I get that. That makes sense for somebody like that. Yeah. But then I was like, no, he actually started just telling jokes on stage. And I, then I learned about vaudeville, um, people like mm -hmm. Bob Hope and stuff like yeah. that, where it just started out as just opening up a pre-existing event with humor. Yeah. Right. And that's all there was to it. And I was like, oh, that's an actual thing. Um, and again, so here's another thing in my childhood. Uh, in first grade, I did... Uh, I did stand up for the school talent show. Cute. Oh, what? That's yeah. cool. Yes, that's really cool. this what was is your first joke. Yeah, <laughs> I can literally, uh, I can literally go into my bedroom and grab the book that I stole all of my jokes from. <laughs> oh, okay, that's good. Most yeah. of them were knock knock jokes. I shit you not. And I just, I, I read knock knock jokes off a piece of paper. So you were more of like a Carlos Mencia when you were starting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oscar, so that was real and well, no. And again, this is an opportunistic thing, so it may be more Dane Cook where. Yeah, I'm in first grade and they come over the intercom to the entire school and say, all right, all of the kids that want to be in the talent show can now leave their classes and come to this room to sign up. Oh, hell yeah. And all I heard was, if you say that you're in the talent show, you can <laughs> now class. leave your classroom. Yeah, and I was like, I need a talent. <laughs> and of course I was, I was the loud, obnoxious kid in class. So the yeah. teacher was like, oh, you probably want to be in the talent show. And I was like, wait, are you giving me an out? Are you like giving me <laughs> no, the, yeah. like the ability to leave <laughs> class right now? And I was like, Yes. <laughs> and then I left the classroom and I was like, yeah. And I started walking down the hall and I got probably like a hundred yards. Uh, just not even realizing where I was going, just walking through the school, enjoying myself. Enjoying the freedom. Yeah, and then there was another teacher that passed me uh, and recognized me. Like, oh, Ryan, yeah, you're that ridiculous kid. Uh, you're probably going to sign up for the talent show at room whatever, whatever, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I was doing. Imagine how much your life would have changed if you were just like, no, I'm just going to take a shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you would have been on a completely well, You would have got detention pass. for saying the S word, but. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. In prison. So then at that point, I was like, oh, well, now people know that I'm out of the classroom, so I have to go up there. And I signed up. And then I get up there, and then the teacher that was running it recognized me uh, and said, oh, Ryan, yeah, you're probably going to tell jokes or something, right? Sure. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm gonna do. Um, and then, and then, completely forgot about it until like three weeks later. And then it was the day before, and they're like, "All right, we need everybody to check back in for the talent show that's happening tomorrow night." Oh! Oh God! Oh God! And then quickly went home that night and just wrote down a whole bunch of knock knock jokes on a piece of paper. And that was it. So and then I took a short fourteen year hiatus. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a, potent, real. that's a potent show. Oh yeah, exactly. So you're saying we have similar experiences. You do one <laughs> the, show and then you're like, ah, let's take a break. Yeah. And what I what I love about it is that not until I was like years into my current comedy career did I look back and be like, that was the perfect comedy moment. I had a heckler. It was my first time on stage. It was like I what like I went up there with absolutely no idea of what I was doing or really what stand-up comedy was. Um, 
and it was you know and I've got oh god I remember that heckler his name was Barry uh, Barry, kid, Barry, Barry, is a, uh, Barry the kid he's a year older than me what a and dick. I know right and like he was heckling me because I was telling the like you know every knock knock joke that every kid knows in elementary yeah, school like the boohoo or like the... exactly so he was just yelling out the punchlines right before oh. yeah interrupting cow exactly moo uh, <laughs> but now Barry's in prison yeah. so you know who's yeah. the real winner or, or dead <laughs> even better <laughs> both actually they never claimed the body yeah. I'll have to look him up see if he's still and not around. after this podcast <laughs> yeah no you should hey, totally Barry. look him up, up on you. Facebook and then be like hey remember when you heckled me yeah well and see that's the thing is that he was a nice kid we were friends we got along he didn't realize he was doing a thing I don't yeah. think he knew what a heckler was <laughs> I know like I think he was just like, oh, I know the punchline. Here we go. Yeah. And I was like, no, that's not that's what I'm supposed to do. Invitation to finish it for me. Come yeah, on. exactly. Very. Yeah. If like if that had happened at the age of 22, it would make the best story ever. Yeah. But since it happened at the age of like six, five <laughs> or six or something like that, it's just adorable. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the story I think every com- you know every comedian wants. He's yeah. Like, oh, I did it when I was five years old. Like, yeah. What's better than that? Yeah, the and like it's still it, I, I'm I'm still trying to analyze this part of my life as much as possible because the stand up com, stand up comedian as a career choice was not a thing that existed. Stand up comedy and again, stand up comedy wasn't even an industry. Stand up comedy to me was what celebrities do on Comedy Central yeah. to oh, fill awesome. time. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yep. That's all I thought it was. That's what I thought Which all the specials were. Yeah. You have no idea what it is. You exactly. Like, oh, well, they're from this and they're doing this. You so have, that must be the first yeah. thing that they did. Yeah, yeah, you have to be fairly popular first to be on TV in the first place, mm-hmm. as where most of these half-hour specials were their first time on TV right. for That's most right. of these comics. Um, but yeah, and then again, you know, I would see after their special, I'd see them on whatever Comedy Central show yeah. or guest starring on whatever or, sitcom. Yeah, yeah stuff yeah, exactly. like that. You'd see they were all actors too. So. Yeah, and be like, oh no, they are originally actors. They just did. They were just telling mm-hmm. jokes, you know, to take up time in between, sort of a thing. And even at that time, for the talent show, I was like, yeah, stand up comedy, I guess. And yeah, until I actually started, like, so I had my production company started producing stuff and then started producing, like, concerts and, like, uh, music. And I was like, oh, but I really enjoy comedy. I had just done, uh, when I moved to Pendleton, had just done a couple of open mics in Portland and started doing it. And I knew some Portland comics, invited them out, and then just started doing comedy ever since. So that's all I've produced since then. Yeah. But it is... It, it, even even still, until I started performing and hosting shows on a regular basis, being a stand-up comedian just did not. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't yeah. Real. And then finally, I was like, oh, once I started actually like my podcast, being able to sit down with professional comedians and ask them the questions that I want to know. Like I've learned more with these microphones than I have doing comedy. Right, right, right. right. So and yeah, and I mean, being out in Pendleton, there is other than my own comedy club, there is no opportunity to perform. So any opportunity I got to learn from other comedians. Comedians, I took it. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And we all have a very different journey in a different way we got to where we all are oh, God, yeah. today. And it's just so interesting because I think sometimes a lot of us get in this rut of like, oh, well, I have to do things this way because this is how Jerry Seinfeld did it. Yeah. This is yes. how Bill Burr did it. Yeah. This is how blah, blah, blah did it. When it's like, no, we're all... We're all just kind of doing our own thing. We yeah. Gotta do that own thing as best as possible. And yeah. work to the best and most 
sincere version of ourselves that we can. Yeah. yeah. Because we and, all have different goals, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And to hear that from other people, you're just like, oh, there's not just like one like, well, you do this yeah. and this. And blah, blah, blah. Well, oh, that's blah. actually my next question. Yeah. What was your goal the first time you went on stage? Like, not just for that night, but like you were like, I'm going to give comedy a try. So for that first like length of time when you're giving it a try, what was your career goal? Oh, I yeah. see. Mine was easy. It was this was again 2006, so mine was to get on Comedy Central Presents. <laughs> yeah, because like, that was still a really big thing. Yeah. And, and YouTube was new enough so that that was how most stand-up was seen. Yeah. So like, if I wanted to watch a, a Comedy Central Presents, I'd have to find some like weird torrent site, you know, and yeah. you know, download a really crummy version of it. E-bombs it was, world. Exactly. But yeah. they were, but they were all Comedy Central Presents. Like that was it. Yeah. Unless somebody put out their own DVD. So that was that was the kind of. The, yeah. the, the mountaintop for me at that, at yeah. that time. So. Yeah, once I think Johnny Carson was done. Um, like, that was the thing. Johnny Carson, once you, your very first time on TV, if it was Johnny Carson, the next yeah. day your career was made. Yeah, yeah right. You're it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then once he was gone, that was like. It was very much changed. Yeah. It was kind of Letterman, kind of Leno, but. You would be on much. there, but it wasn't as much of an impact right, as yeah. Johnny Carson. And if you look at today, it's like, it doesn't matter if you're on Conan, doesn't matter if you have a giant YouTube viral video, doesn't yeah. matter if you have a TV show. Like, it's a very even play. There's no, yeah. like, one Carson in, like, right. there used to be. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, you well, can come in from Netflix, anywhere. I guess a Netflix before, would be the Carson now. Yeah, yeah, so before YouTube was a thing, uh, the Comedy Central Presents half yeah. hours were that big maker. Exactly. Yeah. And then... And premium blend. Yeah. Oh, God. Blend. Well, that was, that was like, a yeah, a, bl- uh, a blend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, six-minute sets. It was yeah. a premium blend. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. It, was it was a hybrid. <laughs> yeah. Um, it wasn't as much of a maker, but that was a huge way to get your name out to more than just the clubs that you have been right. to. And it's a Comedy s- Central credit. Yeah. I've still got like a that. bunch of those on my computer, and I see some of the comedians, and I don't know what happened to them. Yeah. Ten years ago, and I mean, I was like, I thought that they would be, like, that's how you knew you were in. They're yeah. still road guys. Yeah, they're probably. Still, you know, they're still working. It's so just, just like you said, just goes to show you don't really know what the, what the path is going to lead you to or if you're taking the right road to what you want to do because some of those guys aren't even really doing it anymore. Yeah. And it wasn't that long ago. So, Comedy Central presents. Yes, that was huge. So for me, um, when I was in like junior high, uh, I wanted to be in a band. I played bass, and I was like, "Ooh, I'm gonna get on Warp Tour one day." Um, so like, I really wanted to do music when I was that age. And then um, high school, I was doing theater, and I liked theater. I think I just I, I liked. I guess some of the aspects of like from stand up, like I liked mm-hmm. feeling that instantaneous reaction of like, wow, they love me and I'm creating something and they're enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And that feels really good. Um, but I knew I didn't want to be like a stage actor. I was like, oh, I don't really like performing in front of people in this format. Yeah. Um, and then like college came around and I was, you know, still doing improv. I still am very much in love with improv. It still is very much a big part of my life. But um, so it did improv come before stand up? Improv was high school. Stand up came in college. Yeah. Okay. So I was yeah. Improv's kind of like my it was my my in. Yeah. Um, and it's it's weird because they're two very different things, but they're still two things I love very very much in just very different ways. Yeah. You know what I mean, so um, I was graduating college and I was like, you know, do I want to be an actor? Um, for theatery stuff, like stage stuff, I, I don't know. Like I don't know if I really love it. I, I enjoy it, but I don't know if I love it. Mm-hmm. So I want to be a musician. I don't know if I want to be a musician. Do I want to work in the music industry? I was working in the music industry at the time. I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Um, and eventually after maybe like a year of just really like racking it out, it was like a senior year. I was like, you know what? I just have to pick something. And whatever I pick, I'm going to make the conscious effort of this is the thing that I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put my 110 
percent in it, my full self in it, and I'm not going to look back. Yeah, I have to pick a track. Yep. And what's the thing that I love the most? What's the thing that I'm sort of exposed to right now that I want to put all my eggs in the basket of? Yeah, stand up. I was very new at the time, and um, even though I wasn't getting a lot of stage time or I wasn't doing, you know, maybe you know a ton of mics, I just knew like this is this is what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. It has the the creativity. Um, from a very like individual standpoint that I kind of wanted music, you mm-hmm. know, not necessarily with a band, but do my own thing. It had like that performance factor of being on stage, but it's all you. You're not just reading a script and yeah. performing lines. Yeah. It's very much like, let me alter this up. I'm going to change it up on the spot. Oh, it's feeling this way. Well, let me do this instead of that. And it just had every single thing that I desired from every art form that I dabbled in up to that point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is it. And this is what I'm going to choose, and let's go for it. Yeah. So um, it does sound very general, but um, I guess the goal when I like first got on stage, when I was I would say 21, the real time when I got on stage, was just like I'm going to do the stand-up comedian thing, and I'm going to take it as far as I can in whatever capacity that means. Mm-hmm. If that means I'll eventually write for late night, that would be so cool. Yeah. If that eventually means like a sitcom, that'd be so cool. But no matter it takes me. I still want to stand with that mic on stage performing in yeah. front of people, whether oh, yeah. it's coffee houses, dive bars, yeah. clubs, theaters, big stadiums, colleges, corporate events. Like, I want that. Yeah. And that takes me wherever. Cool. But I'm going to run with this. Yeah. So you do it just because you enjoyed doing it. Yeah. I think it was very much like I'm my goal is I'm going to take this as far as it can get me. And I have no no idea what that means. But this is so this is the format. This is this was your discovery of cocaine. Yes. <laughs> so, like, you felt like you did it. It felt good. And while you're on it, you're like, I want more of this. Yeah, more. I'm just gonna... This is going to take me everywhere. I'm going to do so much on this. <laughs> so, now if you guys want to hook up and you're in town, um, just give me a call. I'm not going to do meth. Cut you a good speed. You know, I'm just going to do cocaine no. as far as yeah. I can take it. Meth is more of a poetry thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You Morphine, know, maybe. painting is more of a heroin thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's kind of, yeah. yeah. So, Theo. What was your goal when you first started? So my very first show that I played, I was I was opening for Brian Kiley, who's the head writer oh, of Conan. Wow, he, ama- Joke master! Oh, ama- master. amazing writer! And I was under the because this is my first impression of comedy, so I had no idea like how people got big in comedy. I had yeah. no idea like how people got to the places they did. So I, I was, I like I I wanted to be on Conan like as a goal. So yeah. I, I figured, like, oh, like, I'm going to play the show. Brian's going to see me p- perform, and then he's going to approach me after and then be like, that was a great show. You should write with me on Coda. <laughs> so, and then, uh, of course, that didn't happen. He just said good set. What? No. <laughs> yeah. You were three months in, though. You were already he, a champ. No, I was a day in. Oh, and, you're a day in. <laughs> and, he just, and he sort of just mumbled good show and didn't make eye contact as he walked out the door. Well, he wasn't oh, looking he, at Theo. He, he made eye contact, but he, he it was a mumble, basically. Yeah, I got you. So, okay, okay, yeah. But it's, <laughs> it's really interesting because I feel like you were talking about like Brian Kylie being your first show. Um, I don't know about you guys. You mentioned a little about Bill Cosby. Like, it's the people that you listen to when you're first starting affect you and influence you 
so much more than I yeah. think you realize. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. the first big comic that I remember listening to is when I was in high school, my friend busted out his iPod, and you weren't supposed to have your iPod, so it was like, ooh. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and we would listen to, um, he had two comedy CDs on it. It was um, Dimitri Martin and oh, Mitch Hedberg. Whoa. Same with my friend. Yeah. And then when I rediscovered comedy when I was getting more into college, um, my favorite comics were uh, Emo Phillips, and at the time, who I still really love, is um, Anthony Jeselnik. I fell in yes. love with Anthony Jeselnik. Yeah. And it's weird because sure they were they were big influences and I kind of just heard them in passing but they're joke guys and I love jokes. Mm-hmm. I love jokes so much and that's very much my format. But then you hear people who like listen to um you know like Bill Burr, Bill Burr. or someone when they're starting out. Oh god. And it's as like an, wow, you're a more aggressive kind get. of like yeah. in your face yeah. style because that was what you knew that's what yeah. you thought comedy was when you walked yeah. into this game. Yeah. So it's so fascinating to hear like cuz you're Brian Kiley-esque with like your jokes, you know what I mean? So that's really cool where it's like wow, your first shows with them? Oh, totally. Brian Kiley would be the f- first headliner that you worked with. Yeah, yeah it was crazy. And the yeah. like third show Ian Edwards was on too. Yeah, that so was great. It was like a lot of good people I surrounded myself with early on, but I know what you mean cuz my friend had an iPod too with Dimitri Martin and Mitch Hedberg. And that was like yeah. the high school. Was that like the yeah. cool fourteen-year-old um, yeah. like yeah, sure. comedy? Middle list? school yeah. was Dane Cook, the uh, he- like harmful if swallowed. Harmful if swallowed. Because that was yeah. like MySpace era. Man, that was everybody knew the Kool-Aid. Oh yeah, huh? Yeah. And, and retaliation, like retaliation, harmful when swallowed. Bamf. Like the two. Everyone knew what a Bamf was. <laughs> yep. That was yeah. The well, again, like for me, Bill Cosby, storyteller. Yeah, next one was Jeff Foxworthy, storyteller. Mm-hmm. And then, once I, my, I was old enough, my parents thought it was okay for me to watch Comedy Central. Mitch Hedberg was the first person that I saw, and I was like, Oh, they're not just storytelling, it's just jokes. Right. Yeah, like they are just telling jokes up there, <laughs> and sometimes they string more of them together to make a story. It's like, Oh, but ultimately, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it clicks in your head that moment of like, Yeah. That's stand-up comedy. Yes. Like and you, um, up until that moment, you're just like, I don't really understand what these people are doing. Yeah. They're just celebrities on stage with a mic. But not until you like actually like register, like, oh, yeah. that's a joke. Oh, that's oh, yep. this format. Oh! Yeah. That, that's why people can't tell you how to be funny. It's because yeah. it's so subjective. Yeah. Like, well, you know what's crazy is you think about Bill Cosby or Bill Burr or whatever. You listen to them, you feel like you really know parts of their life. Oh, you yeah, know yeah. a little bit about them. Yeah. Listen to Mitch Hedberg for two hours and you know nothing about what he does <laughs> oh, or what his days yeah. consist of. Yeah. He just, he's just Except for jokes. his heroin addiction. I mean, well, yeah, but yeah. He, didn't, he didn't talk. I mean, he talks about drugs, but you... Oh, uh, you knew. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, based off of if you put his jokes into some sort of biography, you would think that he just floats through life observing ridiculous right. things. Yeah, exactly. And just like, just every, every other step, just something ridiculous happens right in front of him. And he's like, eh, got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But you even see, like, um, you see a lot of people who will start with improv or sketch. And this isn't everyone, but this is, you know, people that I have come across in my life who will start an improv or sketch and they'll want to transfer into comedy mm-hmm. and they're doing, like, character-based comedy. Yeah. Or they're doing very much, like, almost, like, semi-improvised monologues. Yeah. or And it's interesting because, like, they view stand-up as... Whoop, oh, that's comedy. Yeah. Like, that's how I see comedy, so yeah. that's what I have to do just yeah. in a more solo format. Yeah. Um... I just think it's so interesting to hear people's influences. And like I said, we're all taking different journeys, but we're kind of all in the same one together at the same time. So it's cool to be like, oh, like that's why you tell jokes like that. Or that's why you're such a big storyteller. Or that's why you do characters. Or that's why you do impressions. Because like that's what you were influenced by. uh, Ruth... Ruth Fuzzy? Bader Ginsburg. Yes, that one. Yes. Oh, the Uh, purse lady. Yeah, she would hit you with the purse. Yeah, I I know you're talking about it. I was like, she... 
was the first person to introduce me to character-based stand-up. Well, because you were watching part of the Dean Martin yes. roast. Yeah, yeah, I used to watch the infomercials with my um, dad. Uh-huh. The Carol Burnett. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, who's the drunk guy? He was always drunk. Yes. He had a big beard. He was yes. on there. Yeah. Um, Don Rickles. Don Rickles. Yeah. Um, oh, John, I love Don Rickles. John Winters. Jonathan, Jonathan Winters, Winters. Yeah. 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 improv like yeah oh god yeah oh he's so good have you ever listened to his stand up I have and it's honestly I feel like I enjoy it but I am jealous because I'm not watching it when you listen to it oh, via god. audio because he's he's the full package he, like he just he he's so physical and like there was a thing he did on Carson I want to say where they gave him like a stick yeah. and then he went for like seven minutes yeah. just improvising like yeah oh, I'm what, gonna fish oh it's a sword oh like. Yeah. What are you doing? 90% of his stand-up starts with him saying, give me a like a career, give me a place, and then give me some sort of prop or yeah. a name or something like that. And then he will do a one-man, seven-minute sketch that is it just as if he had days to work on it yeah. and perfectly written out. The jokes are perfectly timed, like right in the perfect spot. Uh, like his word choice he is knows so exactly intricate. What to do. Yes. <laughs> it's like someone could have been working on a seven minutes for five years yeah. and it wouldn't even come close to what you just like pulled out of your butt. Yeah. Like yeah. off of like nurses. All right. <laughs> like, yeah. The, the distance between, all right, here I am at the army base between that and his first joke is such a huge just upswing on the scale because anytime you see somebody start out improv like that it's usually fairly Mm. it goes uphill but it's usually kind of slow before you get to the first joke but him instantly it starts out with uh yeah here I am at this place doing this thing and then this person comes in and then laughter everywhere exactly yeah and he's like oh my god how does I'm like I I adore improv. It's a huge part of my life. I yeah. I still do improv coaching. I play improv teams back home. Um, it's a huge part of my life. But it's hard to compare it to stand up because when you walk into an improv show as an audience member, it's like, oh, they're making it up, and yeah. um, I'm gonna give them a little bit of leeway. I'll enjoy myself, and that's great. Yeah. Not to discredit improv at all because yeah. it's, it's great. But the audience does come in with a little bit of that. But when they come and see a stand-up show, it's like, all right, this is tried and true material. They test it out. Make yeah. us laugh, funny boy. Yeah. Make us laugh, funny <laughs> girl. Laugh. Yeah. And Winters basically, it's like he did the stand-up thing with the improv work without yeah. like that safety net of like, yeah. oh, everyone knows like yeah. we're figuring this out well, together. It was just like, what? Like, yeah, We start talking about characters and people that come from sketch try to do stand-up as a character. The idea is that if you are doing, if you are in a stand-up show, stand-up has to be your priority. Yeah. So fifty-one percent needs to be stand-up. Forty-nine can be character or whatever. Sketch or whatever. Yeah. Um, and the best, the example that I like to use is my old partner Tony G. Was uh, he was just the biggest asshole on stage. He would go up there and rant about things that would make him angry, hoping that people would find it funny. Mm-hmm. And quickly humbled him up. He's like, no, 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 no. I need to be funny with my angry thing. Yeah. So it's like I can be this angry as long as I'm this also funny. funny. Yeah. Throw it through the funny filter. Don't do it and hope the funny happens. No, no, no. no. Put your funny stuff through the angry filter. Ah, okay. I yeah, 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 yeah. The idea is that yeah, <laughs> your your priority needs yeah, to be like the it same. has is to it be black funny. with white stripes or white with black. Stripes? It's actually a blue and gold dress. I oh, think. Yeah. Man. Oh god. Oh. <laughs> I still stick by blue and gold. I'm no, sorry. I thought it was, I was white. White and gold. It's yeah. Blue, it's, it's, yeah. It's blue and black. No, it was white and gold, dude. 
It's just a funny trick with phones and rods in her eyes play. Uh, Ruth Buzzy. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's the idea is that he was more angry than he was funny. So yeah. as long as you can find that balance between whatever else you're doing and stand up, the idea is that if you're doing a stand up show, 51% of your goal needs to be stand up. Yeah. Well, so you can do you can do a quiz show. You can do trivia. <laughs> you can do characters. You can do mime. But as long as your goal is stand up rather than a sketch person trying to do a sketch during a stand-up show. No, 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 no. Do stand-up with sort of a sketch. The character-y vibe. vibe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and also, like, to break it down even a little bit more, like, I feel more than more than good writing, more than charisma, more than stage presence, like, ultimately, the audience needs to trust you. Yes. Like, if you have that trust, we can all be good. And if you're doing a character... And the audience knows you're doing a character. They can trust the character, yeah. but it doesn't mean that they trust you, yes. if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you can do like a really funny bit, and they're like, this is really funny, but if he stopped doing this, yeah. or she stopped doing this, do we? are See, we still going to trust this person? I don't know, unless you totally like balls in go with your character, and they can't tell the difference. That's the idea, is that that 51% needs to be you honestly on stage Sincerely. with your material. Yeah, Whether it's your character being sincere... But what the idea is that you need to be 51% sincere with what you're doing. So if you are playing that character, then they know that that 51%, they are 51% sure that it is a character. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you go out there trying to be 50-50, they're like, I th they think it could be a character. But if it's not a character, this really isn't they that They just got to trust you. Yeah. Yeah. Just got to trust you. So if you're going to try to do that 49% of something that's not stand-up, you have to use that extra 1% to explain to people what that other 49% is. Yes. Do you know what Andy Andy Kaufman? Yes. And oh, God, Tony yeah, Clifton. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Tony Clifton was a huge chunk of his act. But oh, yeah. He still did much, you know, it was more than, he was <clears throat> still more than 50% Andy mm -hmm. Kaufman. So, so I, I'm really curious because I love Andy Kaufman, yeah. but something that I wish I, I wish I was there when he was doing his thing because I'm looking at it through the perspective of, no, no one knew that they were both the same people. Uh, or no, did they? Or yeah. no, everyone thought he was actually wrestling women. Yeah. Right. Or did they know it was <laughs> a bit? Or did they know that he really punched Jerry Lawler? Andy like, I'm Kaufman. so I don't know if people knew or if they didn't know. Kind, he was so in a time when yeah. social media wasn't like, oh, he's gonna out. Like, yeah. And see, that's what I mean is that if you're doing a stand-up show, you have to be a majority stand-up and then do whatever. Mm -hmm. He was not a stand-up comedian. He was an no. entertainer. I have no idea what he was, <laughs> but 49% of it. Was stand-up comedy yeah. Yeah. or um, doing whatever his reality comedy was. Yeah. But I just would have loved to experience that in a time when, because now things are so exposed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you can see a comic and be like, oh, I love how angry they are. Yeah. Look them up on Facebook. Like, oh, no, they're a chill fucking guy. I yeah. feel like let down. Yeah. Andy Kaufman, did people did people well, buy was, into it or are we just the, thinking that they bought into it? Yeah. Tony Clifton was at Andy Kaufman's. Like, Funeral. Yeah. yeah. Or either that or it was Someone like a tribute show Clifton, way yeah. after he was oh. dead. And yeah. Tony Clifton shows up. So and it's Tony Clifton creepy. did a lounge show in like Bronson, Missouri or something right. like that for a, uh, like a year after um, he died. Right. Or after um, Andy, after Kaufman. Andy, Andy Kaufman died. died. Yeah. So quote unquote. were people yeah. going to that show? Because it was at a time when things were a little more like hush yeah. hush and kayfabe-y. Yeah. yeah. Like were people going knowing that 
Tony Cliff and Andy Kaufman were always two different people, or were they like, oh, is it Andy? See, that's the I think that was the idea is that the club let them do this show there because it was more of like a tribute thing to this crazy performer. A tribute to Andy. Yes, but that's why they did the show. But what brought so many people into the show, what gave them so much free marketing, was people trying to figure out whether or not it was was him. They wanted to see whether or not the rumor, whether the rumor was true that it was him or just some sort of tribute show. Right. And uh-huh. it was nobody knows. Yeah, still nobody knows. Nobody yeah. knows. He might still be around. You never know. Could he could come tonight? Who knows? Yeah. yeah. I'll throw him a guess set. To Bengal. Yeah. <laughs> I'll throw Andy Kaufman five. Tight, tight five. Yeah, yeah tight I'm five. sorry. If Tony Clifton or Andy Kaufman shows up in Bend, I'm going to put him on stage right, just cool. to see what happens. As the MC? You can MC? Uh, <laughs> yeah, as long as he's maximum five minutes. Yeah, as long as he gets yeah. no more than five minutes. Time to do yeah. yeah. I'd let him, I'll let him close the show just to see what happens yeah. in case right, cool. he walks the Everyone dies. Yeah, <laughs> he just like exactly. pulls out a bomb or something or peas or I don't know. Two very different things. I didn't say peas. I was like, well. I did say peas. I was trying to think of a very Andy Kaufman thing to do. Either a bomb or peas. Or you just pee on the crowd. Well, Tony would pee. I don't think Andy would pee. Lotka would pee his pants. Lotka. Yeah. I think, I think, I think Andy would have somebody in the audience pretending to be super drunk walk up on stage and pee on his leg. That is totally something that Andy Kaufman. Yeah, very much so. And he would play it off. And he would stand. He would stay on stage. Be like, "Well, I can't leave because of my time. I have to do my time." But this guy's doing this thing, and I don't know what's going on. And God, oh, I would have. He, he is the one guy that I would love to see live. Yeah, like dead or alive. And like that counts. Like you know, your Steve Martins. That counts. You know, you're like your yeah. Dave Chappelle's. Like even like your Lenny Bruce's. See Lenny Bruce in his prime. Like Man. in a time when it was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. Andy Kaufman is prime as the guy yeah. that I would want to see. Oh, God, yeah. Hands uh, down. Like, people, no question. People that, you know, through history, you could sit down and have a drink with. One of them is Andy Kaufman. Mm-hmm. I'd be scared. Yeah, the, <laughs> I'd be scared to have, have a drink. drink. He'd, he'd have other stuff ready, too, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> just the possibilities, because you have no idea what would happen. Uh, to go back to our question, you, met, you we talked about what your goals were at the beginning. I've got my questions, and we're what an hour and a half into this at oh, this geez. point. Oh, um, so, next question is: What is your goal now for your comedy career? All right. So, uh, how has that evolved since you started? For me, it evolves kind of. I try to do a different goal every year. So, I think last year my whole goal was to get. <laughs> It was to get on the road, I'd get out of L.A., do shows other places. I did a, I did a little bit of that, and then luckily I, you know, Eric worked it out so that we're doing this now. Yeah. So my goal for last year actually was just like you know, more or less two months too late. But now it'll be, I guess, from from this on out, it'll be try to find some way to get a, a Conan set, you know, yeah. or a or a good late night set. Yeah, good late night set. Seth Meyers or whoever else is a- is hiring. Uh, Carson a Daly. Le- Carson. Oh, can we? Yeah, whatever. A legitimate <laughs> showbiz in- invitation. Right. Something. Got not it. a not a thirty minute special. Just just five minutes to, yeah. to to put myself out there. And I think, you know, it's it's a little lofty, but I don't think it's unreasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's. I think it'd be, I've seen some people do it that I'm like, oh, they they got to do it. Yeah. I can do that. So, <laughs> why are you looking at me? I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> why are you? I don't know. You you're... haven't done it. Have you? <laughs> um. For me. Um. I. I love comedy so much. I love stand-up. Um, 
which was like so much of myself and it's something that I'm never going to want to stop doing. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's, it's like any other industry. Like you look at someone massive right now, like, um, Chappelle or Louis, they they haven't made it yet. They still have room to grow. Well, they've mm-hmm. totally made it, but there's no, there's no ceiling, you know, they can yeah. constantly go up. So, um, for me, it just kind of was like a long-term thing. Um, I never want to stop doing the road. Um, I do the road a lot now and I, I love it. It, ha- it hasn't gotten old for me yet. You know, mm-hmm. I've been out for a month, you know, six weeks and like, this is great. And then spend a week at home and gone back out and be like, I'm still having a great time. And I would never want to lose that. But, um, I'm single right now. Uh, I'm not planning on having kids or a family anytime soon, but if that were to happen in my life, they would <laughs> That's be what most single male comedians say. If, they, if it were, <laughs> I'm not planning on it. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, um, I'll be home, honey. Um, really soon. Um, don't take the test just yet. Uh, but yeah, if I were to eventually have a family, I would want to be in my kids' lives. I'd want to be a family. I'd yeah. want to be. I'd want to be a good dad. I don't yeah. want to be a dad on the road 50 weeks out of the year. Yeah. So. Um, uh, a big kind of end goal that I've been working towards for the past, I would say, year, two years, and probably a couple more years I'll be working on it, is um, if I could eventually land a good TV writing gig. Yeah. Specifically, if I could get late night, like if I could do, if I could just write jokes for the rest of my life for late yeah. night, that'd be awesome. Um, but if even it was for sitcoms, mm-hmm. um, or even it was for you know some kind of like hour long narrative, um, if I could work like throughout pilot season and beyond doing just writing mm-hmm. and be able to go on the road for three months out of the year. Yeah. That would be the ultimate goal. Yeah. Um, I say that now, but if you know, an audition works out and I end up getting like a nice TV credit that leads into something, then yeah. 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 Screw writing, <laughs> screw comedy. I'm being an actor, <laughs> nice. but no, I'd still want to do comedy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where I, I would love to do stand up for the rest of my life. Um, I would like to have the road as a part of my life for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. but um, just being realistic, I'd love it to be a good chunk of my life for, you know, three to four months out of the year. Mm-hmm. If I were to have a family and have a really great, comedy based writing job or something where I could constantly create content yeah, create comedy yeah, yeah. in my life where I'm in one place and I'm not moving around all the yeah. time because even being like 26 like like I said I don't get tired of the road but you see guys who are you know in their 40s and their 50s and their 60s and they're roading it and they're doing yeah. awesome but they're like yeah I'm tired yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get tired I want to I want to still enjoy this you want to yeah. enjoy yeah we'd hope that you enjoy the road still so yeah. you guys were on it. By the way, I hate going on the roads. I'm canceling the rest of the two-week tour. Um, Damn. Yeah. I mean, he's not canceling the last two weeks. He's just sending you guys home. Yeah. Oh. Or, Tony, you're doing a, a tight 90 every show. Uh, Theo, you're doing another 90 right back to back on it. All right. <laughs> so what about you? Uh, if I had to have one goal, I would, like in comedy, I'd probably want my ex-girlfriends to be really jealous that they don't, <laughs> really regret dumping me. Be like, oh my god, I can't believe. Wait, I you're straight? Like, I want to I essentially get to Kevin Hart level. You want to be black? Yeah. I want the reverse Michael Jackson. <laughs> um... No, like, I've always envisioned myself, like, playing for, like, sold-out stadiums. Yeah. Like, just coming out, just like, yeah. Yeah. And then then you tell a joke, and then it's like, yeah. 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 It's like like WWF stuff. You kill so hard, they all turn into ghosts, (laughs) is what Theo's saying. Oh, and then it won't be so bad when at the end of the show, everybody's like, boo. (laughs) (laughs) Good bits. Hey. 
<laughs> There's a drum. No. <laughs> Wrong one. I just did a random push. Wait, we can we can get this. Ah, never mind. It was a good bit. It was a good bit. Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> so I, I just want to do stand up and like be really good at it. Yeah. I just want to do it really good. Your current goal is just to better yourself. Yes. Yeah. Progress. Yeah. There you go. Consistently see progress. Yeah. In the first two to three years, any newcomer, that's usually what I say, is don't try to look for specific landmarks. Just be better than you were the week before. Yeah. That's yeah. that's totally it. Yeah. That's a career thing. I feel like never stay stagnant because that's yeah. the worst when you're just like you feel like yep. yeah. you just constantly better yourself like, well that's when you get the jokes you know, yeah. that's times. when you get the people who have the literal and we talked about this yesterday in the car the people who have the exact same set like uh, yeah, after like 10 names. years we're not going to drop names <laughs> oh right yeah we did but yeah and it's, they're, they're tired because yeah. they've been in the same hour for just, but they, they don't work tweets. on new material they just they just glide on like yeah. the same jokes yeah well, yeah I think being being creative and creating new jokes and developing your stuff and and changing you know your act and who it's you are art. constantly it's it's so fun and it's so exciting and it's like whoo but it's work yeah but it's so much work so it's easy to be like oh like an hour i can coast off it it's like nah like go, go develop it develop it because you know it's going to be a little more work but that's the thing you fall in love with yeah that's exactly but it. it's like if van gogh just took starry night like painted it and then just for the next 10 years just went around going see what i did <laughs> yeah just yeah, exactly. well here. do you have anything else just starry night <laughs> yeah. isn't it great but that that's the ear. thing is that if people enjoy starry night then they're willing to see starry night again five yeah. years later mm-hmm at the same club. Well, and I, I guess you have to be dead for them to enjoy it, but... <laughs> well, I heard a, a really interesting thing from a comic once. Um, I forgot the comic he was talking about, but it was, it was like a, an older road comic who's been in the road forever, and he was doing the same hour that he usually did. Mm-hmm. And I guess they were booked at this club. I think it was like somewhere in Texas. Um, it was a small audience. So instead of like doing his typical hour, mm-hmm. he like started talking about his life, and he started talking about like, you know... Stories about like how he got caught with hookers and how he you know like had a heroin addiction and yeah. how he lost his family and how he had a gambling problem, but he was making it funny because he had the chops. Yeah, and he was talking. My friend was talking to this comic afterwards, and he was like, "Why don't you do that? Like I've seen you do your regular hour for years. Do that thing you were just doing." They loved it. Yeah, and he's like, "Yeah, but what pays the alimony? What pays the bills?" Yeah. The hour they know. Yeah, right. Yeah, which is which is tragic, kind of. It is, but it's 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 fascinating to be like, yeah, just try something different. And sometimes you can't. Yeah, and it's like, oh, that's that's well, even, that's worse than just not doing it at all. Well, think yeah. about when you go see your favorite band play a concert. How pissed would you be if they did like one song you knew and then a bunch of just new stuff, and you're like, well, well, Creed doesn't have a lot of new stuff. <laughs> so if Creed <laughs> were to play higher for twenty minutes and then follow with, with arms wide open, I would love that's it. That's how I end yeah. every night. Um, you know what's funny is that I was just thinking like if Dane Cook for instance did one time you know at the Hollywood Bowl he did the exact front you know front to back harmful if swallowed it'd be yeah. huge it would sell out in 10 minutes yeah you know he could be like I'm not doing anything new it's just gonna be the same exact thing you guys loved 12 years ago and yeah. people would buy it immediately yeah. he should yeah. do that yeah <laughs> pe- people love that nostalgic yeah. stuff like when bands do like yeah, yeah like when bands do like one night of like like when Coed and Cambria did like all of their uh, albums yeah. like for five nights. Yeah. Well, Sum Forty One is one of my favorite bands. Yeah. Um, unapologetically, listeners, <laughs> and they did a uh, Does This Look Infected tour where they just did the whole album Does This Look Infected. Yeah. 
And I totally, I don't think I was in town, but I totally would have bought a ticket to see that. Yeah. If I just saw some 41 playing, I might be like, oh, I might buy a ticket. Right. Yeah. But I would totally buy a ticket to just get that, like, of, like, my childhood. Some big, big band just did that, and I can't think of who it was. Like, if Green Day did, like, a Nimrod tour, that'd be amazing. Oh, they would never go back to Nimrod. I feel like they're (laughs) full of hard broken dreams, but I'm too much mad. uh, Nimrod's their best album, though. Oh, jeez, you're insane. I'm a big fan of... uh, Dookie, man. No. Their greatest album was um, Green Day's Greatest Hits. Uh, That was my favorite Green Day album. (laughs) Were they able to fill the entire CD? Uh, Yeah, Uh, yeah, it was a five-minute CD. It was Brain Stew and then Brain Stew. Uh, so, um, I've only got, well, I guess this will, this will be my last question. We, we've been on here for quite a while, so we need to wrap it up, but I like this one. Um, feel for, there's any way that you can look at this, that you can consider all aspects or just pick one aspect, if that makes it easier. Um, aspects being the audience, the mm-hmm. venue, the other performers or your performance. But here is the question. Mm-hmm. What is your best and worst gig ever? Ooh. So when I say always like, a tough one, the, I just asked you that in the car. Just did this, yeah. yeah, but like, I, but I even I gave you like six answers on both. I was like, <laughs> this did. one, but also this one. This was bad, <laughs> but this was really bad. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't even answer best yours. or worst though. Best yeah. or worst or best and worst? Well, yeah, I'm looking for both. Oh, So the idea wow, is that okay. a lot of the people listening to this podcast are people that want to learn more about the background of stand-up comedy or want to get into it. Right. Oh. So this question serves as both inspiration and a warning <laughs> to future comedians. Oh, I've got a great worst one. Okay. Because it's all about how terrible I was. <laughs> and I feel like that's what they're going to want to hear. Uh, I did a show. I was, I think I was 20 years old. And I like invited everyone I knew. And I... I had this show set up for at least a month, and I really didn't start writing for it till about five days beforehand. And I was just like, I can come up with stuff, you know, I'm good enough to do that. And obviously I wasn't. So <laughs> I, I, I think I had of maybe, I did probably 25, 30 minutes. I had one joke I remember getting laughs. The rest of it, I literally, I have a DVD of it somewhere, and I will not watch it. I know, oh. I know where it is, and even 10 years later, almost, I still can't watch it. I just and these are people I knew too, just watching me crash and burn. And I'm just up there like yeah. I was. At one point, I held a rubber chicken in my hand because I was like, "Got to do something." <laughs> they throw some kind of hail mary, you know. Um, but nice. my favorite shows are the ones like the ones you ran uh, at your hometown, charity ones. Oh, John. Da- oh God. Well, uh, different, <laughs> same concept but different outcome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we. Uh, I've done some some shows. Uh, like uh, in LA and in the Bay Area, where you know there's no cover charge, but there's suggested yeah. donations, and the people just that are doing it are doing it as they want to. And misfit good. showcases, right? And yeah. they're good, and you get good people that yeah. way too, because you know there's a lot of a-hole comedians, especially in LA. Well, and, and that's the kind of stuff where you can get like Dane Cook just happens to be in yeah. town that night. Yeah. Uh, we had a thing in Portland a couple weeks ago where so there's a place called Ground Control, which is an arcade. Okay. Um, so you guys picture picture your boyhood arcade that you hung out in. Now picture trying to do comedy there. Oh, that's so super fun. They do an open mic there every week, and this the one week. Um, as soon as he got done with their show at the Holt Center, the big stadium that they just sold out, 
uh, Louis C.K., Todd Glass. I saw pictures from this. And yeah. a couple of other guys. That. Yeah, it's a tiny little stage. Yeah. Like they raised maybe like six inches. Yes. Yeah. They went and There's, did that open mic. That's so cool. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. But it's those little just crappy shows mm-hmm. where they're just like, they're coming into town and they're like, oh, well, I saw that this show is going on. I'll see if I can call somebody oh, yeah, and get on it. A... Of course. <laughs> yes. Hey, I'm uh, Louis C.K. Can I just get like five? Sorry, like we already the list is filled. We have a bucket tonight. You want to get in the bucket? Yeah. Uh, if you want to, and you need to buy two drinks. Yeah, it's a two drinks. Sasha guys coming up. We can't put on Louis. Sorry. Yeah, we got this guy in a pumpkin costume going up. David Pumpkin. Any questions? Yes, a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions, actually. Yeah. But so, what is your best gig ever? Oh, that's those. That's. As a those, whole, oh, the, 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 the the so that's more of a of a kind of show. Yeah. yeah, the best the best gig I did was was one of those shows, and it was just one of those things where I, I had a I had a half an hour of material planned. I was about to I was supposed to do 40, 45 minutes, and I'm looking over everything before the show starts, like in, literally on my walk through the door, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, I there's no way I'm gonna remember all this. It's just yeah. not gonna happen. Like I I've, I've read it solidly for the last week, week and a half, and I don't have it memorized. But then miraculously, I get up there, and it's just like part of it because I took pauses and I was really thinking about what I was, and then it just it just flowed and it seemed natural and it was just yeah. everything clicked. And you know, on top of that, we raised a lot of money for for uh, I think at that point it was St. Jude Children's Hospital. Nice. So yeah, it was just and w- when you put all that together, yeah, it's a great night. Oh God, yeah. yeah. And I mean, even when, on stuff like that, what makes it even better going into it is that it's low pressure oh yeah. yeah so i mean like you're only doing what you're doing 10 15 minutes maybe and they're yeah. there for not... the kids yeah exactly <laughs> they're there for the kids like they want to have a good time but like we're all in this together right yeah, right, like, right. yeah. people have already paid for their tickets and yeah. that money's already gone to the charity so they can't ask for their money back right. at that point once Nor you're already on stage yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah you go up there you suck after two minutes you get off the next person goes up there yeah. But the idea is that you went there, you wanted to be a part of it, you were, you helped raise money for the cause. Exactly. And even if you suck, you still did a good thing. Yes. Yeah. It was just a nice benefit that I didn't suck that time. So yeah. Very <laughs> yeah, and not that. sucking is yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that just is. the cherry on top to not Good suck. incentive. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, you know what? For my favorite show, or the, the, the greatest, the greatest show, the worst, the best, best show. worst, <laughs> favorite, the positive side first. Um. I think I've been very fortunate and very lucky to um, I've gotten to perform in a lot of places with great audiences and you guys know the feeling when like you like just rock it and kill it and you get that goosebumps you can't sleep that night you just have yeah. that high like everything just clicked Yeah. Um, and those happen you know every once in a while hope, hopefully more rather than less but um, the first time that happened even though it was I was maybe like a year into comedy um, I still didn't know what I was doing that much like my jokes weren't that good but um, I was doing an independently produced show uh, over at the store in the main room, which was really beautiful. And it was one of those, you know, like there were like 20 comics going up. And it was like, er. but I was on like third or fourth and the audience was so hot. And it was the first time my parents, I think, came out to see a comedy show of mine. Wow. Yeah. And that was it was huge. It was the first time I think I did like a club, like everything before this was like dive bars and yeah. mics. Did you was your opener, hey, my parents are in the audience yep. tonight. Please yes, be it nice was. to me. Yes, it, That's it probably wasn't why. please be nice to me. <laughs> but it was very you know what I don't think it was my opener, but I only said it within like the first like minute or two. Yeah. I was definitely like, Yeah, my parents are here. There's my mom, clap for my mom. <laughs> but um just and I, I remember what added icing to the cake or onto the cake is the guy before me 
um, I was like standing in the back behind that red curtain. Yep. And um, he's like, well, I guess I should do my closer. More of a low energy guy. And then like points to the back and he does like a musical number where it's like a full song and dance. He like rips off his clothes and he's wearing like bright, um, like gold shiny vest stuff. He's wearing like purple pants. It he ended with a fucking production. Wow. Like it was huge. And I'm like, how am I gonna top that? Here I go. Oh, <laughs> and I'm up there and we're like, I just remember doing my first joke. Um, it hit. I look out and everyone was like sincerely laughing. Second joke hit. I think I'm on like my third joke. I start talking about my parents and. Um, it was just one of those nights where I shouldn't have had a good set because I was a year in and a lot of these jokes were like super like dumb and like punny. But um, just the way I felt after that show yeah. was unreal. And I've been very lucky to feel that a few other times, but that first time it'll never be yeah. as great as that. When, it's like, like chasing the first high. Yeah it's the, yeah, it's the moment when I got hooked. Um, I was just like super buzzed afterwards. Afterwards, like me and like a ton of, other comic friends who were just like at the store we were just hanging outside like chain spoke to pack us to jarms so that might be why i was feeling <laughs> amazing move. just all the clothes were in my Along body the other 17 year old girl <laughs> uh, i was a 17 year old girl at the time um but yeah it it just just that that feeling i'll never forget that feeling i'll never forget that memory mm-hmm. and uh by far was it not like the best show i've ever done but it's the one that definitely i carry the most like weight yeah. with and like love with um worst show I've yeah. ever done would be like I've performed in some bad places we've oh, all yeah. performed in like a lot oh, yeah, of like yeah. basements and stuff um, <laughs> but, but just a shitty venue yeah there's it, gotta be more than be that just yeah. an outhouse but it was it was more this because this was actually um, my first time doing Gotham over mm-hmm. in New York and it was the worst show because it was my first time in New York and mm-hmm. I've done a lot of the west coast at this point but I haven't really done a lot of the midwest I haven't done a lot of the east coast mm-hmm. the East Coast, it's not the only vibe, but the New York scene is very passionate. Mm-hmm. And they're very um, aggressive is the wrong word, but they want to know what you hate. They want to know what you love. They want to know what your deal is. They want to know who you are. Mm-hmm. And I'm up there doing jokes, yeah. like straight jokes. <laughs> yeah. And it didn't go over well. And I'm not doing well at Gotham. Yeah. And I look in the back and Seinfeld is there. No. And he went on, I think, like either right after me or like the comic after oh. me oh so it was it hurt because not only was i not doing great you're but not I doing wasn't, great in front of i was not greatest. doing great in front of seinfeld <laughs> oh. at gotham in oh. new york city oh so dude. it's like you have this dream of the perfect <clears throat> show it would be and you like make it there and you just like yep and that's, that's what that night that that that, that hurt because I, I think i can sum up this whole feeling into one 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 phrase from yeah. a good movie, which is, I'm not wearing hockey pads. Because <laughs> you're in Gotham. You were, the sh- you were the guy that was pretending to be the big guy. Yeah. And then the big guy shows up and puts you in your place. Oh, man. <laughs> and it was like, I-, I went up there. I did my time. It was okay. It was, it was very much okay. Yeah. And then Seinfeld walks on. Literally, it's oh. a five minutes of a standing ovation. Yeah. God damn. That before he says a word... Then he says hello, and it's another five <laughs> minutes standing ovation and applause break. Like he's oh, yeah. he just has that weight, and to like look into his eyes <laughs> for just like five seconds and be like, you, you see me doing this? Yeah. <laughs> did did Seinfeld go did up make... to you and say good set? Uh no, um, I asked for a picture, and he was like, oh yeah, maybe after the set. 
and Ooh. then I, I left to go to another set. Oh. <laughs> that, so that's the thing about Seinfeld is that when it comes to fans and stuff, especially after shows, he'll always say yes to pictures and stuff like that. But he will always say, I am having a conversation or I'm trying to finish my drink or my meal or whatever. After this? As yeah. soon as I'm done with this... I will I will do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. And like and most of the time people will get tired and just walk away and be like, "Oh, he's an asshole for right. making me wait." Excuse me. It's he, Seinfeld. Yeah, exactly. Let him finish his conversation. What's the deal with my fan? I think cuz I asked him for a picture after I went up. No, cuz there was a comic in between us. Yeah. And I saw him and I was like, "Hey man, just could I like get a quick photo like a I'm a big fan. Yeah. And um did you see him watching your set? Yes. You, did you make eye contact during your set? Um, I definitely saw him. I don't know if he was look. I don't know if we made. Well, but you were on stage and you saw him out in the audience. I remember while you were up there bombing. I remember, yeah, <laughs> going up there oh. and getting just the most pity because it wasn't even that I was bombing. It was that I was getting like pity laughs. Yeah, because yeah. they knew because they were jokes. Yeah, so the audience knew the punch when the punch would hit. Yeah, and they'd be like, <laughs> habit laughs. Which hurts so much more than just like just don't say anything. Yeah, I'd rather try to dig myself out of this hole than like have you guys give like a false system of support. You're yeah. like the only thing right now to please this audience, and really the only thing that would get an applause compared to what I've done, and really the only thing that could bring me out of this and be less painful than this right now would be to just grab a pair of scissors and cut off my own penis right <laughs> yeah. on stage. Mm-hmm. This was, well, that was my act. Yeah, that, that was my was, whole act. Yeah, yeah. And like Seinfeld didn't like it. I don't having, know. Having that as your closer would be less painful than the rest of your set yeah, in front just of cut everything else out yeah oh god <laughs> hey eight o'clock ben comedy tonight uh Somebody picked getting, getting more of this guys getting a lot seinfeld will be there yeah. yeah seinfeld's coming to bend everyone He's gonna... all right best and worst okay so i have two two bests okay. if that's okay <laughs> no no well, like, <sighs> you choke. I i've guess. been the best twice <laughs> i mean it's fine and not best as far as performance, but best as far as feeling and like venue. Yeah. Um, the worst was I was at Ventura Harbor Comedy Club in Ventura Harbor. Yes, California. Well, which is a beautiful venue, but it, but it's like a very hip, conservative kind of crowd. They're very fun. Yeah. Like they'll they'll totally play into what you're doing. If if they like you, they'll cling on. But uh, I had a set where I went on. It was a guest spot. And uh, just five minutes, <laughs> and um, and uh, just every—it didn't matter what joke I said. Like every single joke was just a groan, yeah. like up, up, like oh, like oh. really, oh, or just like dead eye silence. And then at one point, I had like maybe a two-second pause before the next joke, and then someone was like, "Oh, he's bombing already." Uh... Wait, this is. This is the bad one or the good one? The bad one. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were saying the good one. I'm like, man, I made the bad call. To... When does that pick up? Yeah, yeah. this story must really turn around yeah. in a second. No, no, I no turn you were around. Talking about your best one. I'm like, oh no. And, and then on top of that, so I do a bad set and then get off. And then after <laughs> the headliner, which I believe was Bruce Baum at the time, um, he, everybody stood like in like the hallway where everyone leaves to like say hi and bye and like mm-hmm. talk to the talent and stuff like that near the green room so i was standing by with the other talent and then just everybody would like say good job to bruce or like the other ones and yeah. then to me they'd like either 
like maybe smile or just like smile avoid and eye contact yeah, yeah. and then just like walk away yeah like, oh dude um best probably just as far as it because it was my first road gig ever was the san jose improv Ooh. Like just amazing, like it's that's a the, beautiful venue. It's the most beautiful oh, such I've a beautiful ever venue. seen. It was like yeah. around Christmas, like two years ago, and it was like three hundred people there. My first ever road gig. I I had a decent set. Like I didn't have anybody like oh this sucks. It was like I got I got like laughs and everything like that. But it was just like the feeling of getting out there like six hour drive. Yeah, like I I got to open for. Uh, <laughs> Sean Weiss from the Mighty Ducks. Gold. He was Goldberg, the goalie. Yeah. Uh, no, I watched WCW. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I got to open for him, so it was, it was just like an – and I got paid to play it too, so it was like an unbelievable feeling, like something yeah. you don't forget. Yeah. And then j- just quickly, like my other – one of my favorites was I was playing with – it's called the Headroom Gallery in Van Nuys. Uh, North Hollywood, actually, yeah. It, it's a secret club in the back of a smoke shop. Yeah, you have Not to be anymore. a member. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say the smoke shop, of course, but it's Van Nuys cigarettes. <laughs> and smoke, so just but uh, Main Street. It's this cool back room where, like, a security guard has to like basically check you in and like, oh, you uh, you're one of the talent, right? And then everybody dabs in there nice. so it's like a shaft like a hot box the whole room <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Newton's> in there. <laughs> so like the audience is silent like the whole time for every comic like yeah. even the headliner gets like maybe a few chuckles because everyone is so high like an old school <laughs> so they're, they're way the out best. there <laughs> and then at the end of my set i got paid in dabs Wow! <laughs> like the, the booker, the booker is like, "That was great. I loved seeing you." And then she hands me this square, like this paper square, and on the inside, this like, Tiny like guy. half dollar of of shatter. Yeah. So wow. I was like, "This is amazing, man." Yeah. I'm not trying to like be a dick and like be like, "Oh, here's my story too." But like, I have a quick thing that I want to share really quick. One time I did a show it was at the comedy store, and you know uh, Michael Boris? I don't actually. Yeah, I think he's a San Diego comic. He's great. Um. But he approached me after a show. We weren't getting paid. And uh, he was like, hey, man, good set. I'm like, thanks. He's like, are you getting paid tonight? And I was like, no, but <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> and then he was like, I got you. Reaches into his peacoat pocket, gives me a handful of nugs, unwrapped. Uh, he just had pockets full <laughs> of weed. <laughs> and he just gave me the hand, and he's like, have fun, man. Good set. Wow. I was like, who walks around with pockets <laughs> full of nugs? Who knows what his pockets are? But no, it's, I don't know. I'll take any payment. Give me a well drink. Give me a. Oh, uh, yeah. Give me five bucks. Give me a thing. Like, hey, man, if I'm local and I drove 10 minutes to get here, a glass of water. Thank you. I'll, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. With the way the bend is, is that we are secluded enough that we have our own comedy scene here. Which is so dope. That's yeah. great. Uh, but the other side is that, I mean, the up and down side of being far away is that we get, the upside is that we get no drama. So oh, if, there's, if there's a comedian that I don't want to deal with, I just don't invite him out here. <laughs> yeah. Problem solved. That's all there is to yeah, it. You're not going to run into him. Yeah, exactly. So the comedians that come out here that are part of this community are like ones that I specifically hand pick. And so, I will and, and say, me. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and the Tony. people I know who and have done Tony. your show, like people like Jason and mm-hmm. stuff, they're like, yeah, it's good people, good vibes. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. great. And I, um, not like this is my first time in Bend. I've been in Oregon before, mostly like Portland, 
um, little surrounding areas, but it's just so nice and refreshing and like cool to be like, yeah, this is a great spot, and I haven't heard one bad thing about it. And comics love to talk drama. Yeah, yeah. they do. And for to, Especially to have, in LA. yeah, to have like a scene where it's like I've heard nothing bad about the place, only great things. Yeah, is like unheard of because people are talking smack on like. Oh yeah, Spokane, Washington. Yeah. Like, what are you there? Why do you what just? It's a town of like a couple thousand people. Yeah, yeah. Why are you talking smack on it? It's not big enough for there to be drama. Yeah. But you know, um, but also I love Spokane. Come to our show, <laughs> um, two thirteen Spokane Comedy Club. But um, yeah, it, it's it's cool to like walk in here and like only hear good things because yeah. yeah. it's unheard of in any other scene. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the other thing, reputation. So we get people that want to come out to Bend that have never been to Bend before. Yeah. So it is, it's it's the, you know, making the industry a better place by I'm doing what I can with what I've got here. Right. But at the same time, I don't really get out. I don't travel much, so I can't see <laughs> comedians. So, like, my goal at this point is to make Bend Comedy and what we do here self-sufficient so that the shows run themselves, and then I can go out and travel and go with you guys and go uh-huh. yeah. Well, if you're ever in L.A., we can get you on, uh, we can get you at UBG. Or the Paladinos you, open, like. We can get you some podcasts. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, man, you know, we uh, we have felt very welcome in Bend. We want to thank you and just been Absolutely. being so welcoming. Yeah, it's incredible. And, man. you know, like, you're... Friends and family now. So if you're ever in LA, hit us up and yep. we'll we'll make oh, it happen. Not exactly. just friends or family, friends and family. Yeah. Aww. Literally Aww. friends and we're related now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aww. Bye, right. Well, uh, plug. So okay, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Everything for Tony. me is at Tone Dad. T O N E D A D. Toned Dad. Tone Dad. <laughs> ah. Uh, my Instagram is at Eric Escobar that's E-R-I-K-E-S-C-O-B-A-R at Eric Escobar on Instagram Facebook you can just look it up Eric Escobar I am not the um, Mexico based jazz keyboardist yet um, <laughs> there are two of us and on Twitter you can follow me at uh, at It's Bailey WWE no it's not really sure, I'm doing a bit I'm doing a bit alright go for it uh, I'm on Facebook I'm Theo Manhattan because that's who I am um, Twitter at Mind of Manhattan and Instagram, Theo Manhattan Comedy. All right. Well, thank you guys very much for doing thank the you, podcast. Ryan. Looking forward to so the show tonight. Ryan, 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 Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> All right, that's enough. <laughs> Sound effect. <laughs>